When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Spotcast. Stardate 96838Mark87. My name is Timitra and I am in Toronto, Ontario. And I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline over there in Mississauga, Ontario. I'm back! And even more over there, I'm joined by Amy Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Who's also back. <laughs> Although he's been back earlier than you. No, were. no, you guys have been holding down the fort. It's been great. Yeah, well, I th- what about when Jaime was in That's true. Japan? This what is did, like the, do then? the first team event we've had in a while. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We're back. All right, yeah. I have some fact check. Do you have some fact check, Jonathan? I do have some fact check. I, I have two fact do checks you? and you have two fact checks. I'll go first. Oh, oh, okay. Yes. Oh, yes, that's true. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so last episode, uh, 39 for those scoring at home, uh, 1820, you guys were talking about Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, the twins. You were talking about your whole uh, tangent about twins. And uh, you mentioned that they had a sister and you thought that maybe she was an actress. Yes, in fact, she is. Elizabeth Olsen is an actress best known for playing Scarlet Witch in the Avengers film. So she's somebody who's pretty. However, however, pretty recognizable. she wouldn't qualify for the twins movie because she's not a twin. She would not. But you, I think, the tangent went on to. I think they have a sister, and so there you go. That's the sister. That's true. Yeah. Right. That's true. And okay. younger sister. That was the part that surprised me. Yep. Uh, I didn't realize really? how old. Yeah, the, I didn't realize how old the Olsen twist sisters are. Like they've they've aged beyond what I recall. Yes. So how old are they now? They've got to be pushing thirty. Yeah, like okay. thirty-two ish. I think. Yeah. yeah. I think she but was. Isn't, in isn't one 20s? of them into like fashion design, and the other ones? I don't know, counting your money or doing it. I thought she was acting or something. Uh, I think both of the the twins are out of the acting world. I think they're both um, uh, doing design and other things, lifestyle stuff. Um, and Elizabeth is is the actress in the family at this point. So they didn't come back to Fuller House, I guess, right? Nope, they did not. All right. Okay. Which leads us to, you know, what's her name? Who's, you know, on the Lori Loughlin and Becky. Yes, yeah, her, that's yeah. right. <laughs> and her college scandal. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. We always thought it would be, uh, what's the father's name again bob saget yeah i always thought bob saget would get in trouble but uh, apparently not all right what else you got for fact check john uh so 2305 last episode you guys were talking about the documentary that was uh about the filming of apocalypse now and it is called heart of heart of darkness a filmmaker's apocalypse it was filmed actually by uh by uh francis ford coppola's wife oh really oh interesting she filmed it while Hmm. while they were making it she was making basically a documentary in tandem and it didn't come out for years and years and years afterwards but uh yeah it was all made with footage that uh, his wife had filmed so have you ever seen it yes okay i don't know if i've ever seen that one and and 
I don't. I know I haven't seen um, Lost in La Mancha, which I should, probably should try and dig out. I think it's on Netflix, as I said before, but just never got around to watching it. Yeah, the heart, the heart of Darkness one's really good. It's really interesting. It makes you realize, like, as with so many of things, we everybody knows sort of the legend of movies like Jaws that, that you know barely makes it out because it was such a chaotic mess and turns out to be one of the great films of all time. Same thing with Apocalypse Now. Like, so many things that were chaotic. I mean, it sounds like Francis Ford Coppola came within inches of losing his marbles, but uh, but really interesting look at that process of, of, you know, they were filming in, you know, Southeast Asia five years after the Vietnam War. I mean, it's it, it's crazy. Um, really, really interesting story. Yeah, I heard Martin Sheen also almost lost his marbles a few times, and right? Marlon, There's a couple of scenes where he's actually drunk, right? Yeah, and Marlon Brando was genuinely losing his marbles at that point in his life. And so, the, yeah, there's a lot of, and I mean, yeah, like there, there was a lot of um, um, extremely gifted and talented artists working on that who were all very close to the edge of, of sanity. So, Which is just interesting, though, because wasn't that, remember that movie with Matthew Broderick and Martin? and um, Marlon Brando. The Freshman, yeah. Is that what it's called? The one that has the big Gila monster in it and all that kind of stuff? The Komodo Dragon, yeah, yeah. Komodo Dragon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he seemed to be pretty lucid in that one, although he was playing a mob boss. Kind he, of thing, I was basically right? doing or an assist- homage to his uh, his playing the Godfather, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another great movie. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, so at 4220, uh, I was, Jaime and I were talking about, uh, we kind of sort of saw the, the poke in the eye. I mispronounced the Red Rider, which is what I meant to say. Red Rider, a rifle, poke in the eye. You'll shoot your eye out from Christmas Story. But uh, we were trying to figure out what it was. And, and I, when I went back to, to get some shots for the, like I was to go back and watch the film, watch the show again, just to get a shot for the, for the our feature image for the for the episode. Um, I know I stopped on that, that uh, scene and I watched it again, you know, in, in regular speed and without all the mass confusion of back flying back and forth. And it was, cl- it was control trying to learn how the cadence of Leland's voice by by re- repeating back what he was saying, and then of course pokes him in the eye, and then and then uh, it's uh, it's uh, control uses Leland's voice to tell Ash got the all clear to close the wormhole or capture the wormhole or whatever it was they were doing at the time, because we Jaime and I were were not sure what what the voice was that we heard uh, over overdubbed. Um, and then we were also talking about at 4315, we were talking about Locutus, and I saw a picture of Locutus, and in fact, he had both eyes intact. He didn't have the, I guess, the Borg implant over his eyeball to replace his eye, although he did have a laser sort of you know, on his cheekbone, I think, right? Or right by his, his right ear, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, he has that nightmare at the beginning of the the second Star Trek Next Generation feature film where he dreams that the thing is about to hit him in the eyeball, but that was just a dream sequence. Right, right. And that was, uh, that was first contact right yes yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. okay cool all right well we were right about something <laughs> all right well let's dig into the headlines what do you got jonathan uh well i've got a trio of avengers news so i'll, I'll package it all together for us so um we got a little leak this week so uh this is not confirmed it hasn't been actually confirmed but there's a couple of leaks that came out this week that uh seem to indicate that the runtime for avengers endgame is going to be over three hours uh the uh film uh the movie theater franchise AMC in the United States, which no longer exists here in Canada, uh, posted that as part of their, um, you know, website, basically indicating that was going to be it with a synopsis and everything else. They quickly took that down after people were jumping on top of that and saying, this is the what's coming out. So they took it down. Again, when people put stuff up and take it down, it's usually indication that it's true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, of course, a lot of places since then have been speculating. And so it hasn't been confirmed yet. But yes, over three hours long, longest Marvel movie ever. 
so that's cool. going to be quite the so epic sitting time. prepare your butt cheeks, folks. Yeah, bring, make sure you bring the super big gulp and also maybe keep the cup around in case you need it for later. Um, we also got news. Uh, so they released a series of posters this week, and the posters basically indicate the um, the living and the dead based on the, uh, the posters. So mm-hmm. the characters who are living are shown in uh, color, and the characters who are dead are in black and white. So oh. what this confirmed for us is there was a total of 32 of these posters, 16 living, 16 mm-hmm. dead. So two things that we learned from this that we didn't previously know. One is that Wong, Dr. Strange's uh, partner, is alive because he's in color. And Shuri, right. who is uh, uh, T'Challa's sister, is in black and white. Therefore, she is dead and she died off camera. So I know there's a few people and I was one of them hoping that maybe she would have a role to play in uh, Endgame, but it looks like sadly she is she is not one who survived the, the great snapping. Uh, yeah, so Wong could have a role to play, which is an interesting one, too, because he would know how uh, time works, right? Having been an affiliated with Time Stone that was around Doctor Strange's neck for so long. So we're getting more into the timey-wimey part of that. So speculate away. Couldn't he clone Groot from uh, Thor's hammer or axe, whatever it's called? Well, think about how long it took them to grow baby Groot into teenage Groot, too. So uh, they, you know, right, yeah, yeah, it have to be a seed. Um, the other bit of Avengers news. Sorry, Jaime, you were going to say something? Oh, sorry. Oh, the, I, I was looking through the gallery and the one that caught my eye as alive is Valkyrie played by Tessa Thompson. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a little unclear from the beginning of um, Infinity War with like everybody appearing to be dead except Thor from the um, whatever the name of the ship is that they all escaped from. Um, Asgard. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the name. Asgard. Thank you. Yes. Which one's Valkyrie? Is that his Thor's sister? No, she's the one who was uh, the one who picked him up off the scrap heap and sold him to the uh, to the game uh, to the uh, to be a gladiator. Oh, okay. She's also starring with Chris Hemsworth in Men in Black International. Mm-hmm. Oh, her. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Oh, For yeah. those of you following along at home, uh, she is number 11 of 32 in the gallery that I'm looking at. Yeah. And the last right. little bit of Avengers news we got, again, take this with a grain of salt, but um, a bunch of different sites, including uh, Screen Rant, are reporting that tickets for Avengers Endgame will finally go on sale because they haven't been put up for sale yet. They'll go on sale on Tuesday, April 2nd. So, uh, there's, uh, obviously a lot of people, I know we're among them that want to be able to get a hold of tickets for the, you know, first couple of days there and, and get in there. Uh, I also saw a really good story that, uh, that I haven't thrown in here, but, um, they were talking about tracking numbers for this movie and where it's going to make as far as it's opening. And they say at this point it's on track and I don't know how they know this if they haven't sold a single ticket yet, but they say it's on track to open to $300 million on this first weekend. Mm. Uh, and that's domestic box office. So that's North America and Can- uh, it's North America. It's Canada and the United States. Um, Three hundred million dollars would shatter any record ever previously existing for a movie opening weekend. Yeah, I've just completely lost track of that kind of number. Um, so, will they do the same thing that they do all the time and sell the Friday night tickets and then release the Thursday night tickets afterwards after a little while? Uh, no, I think I think Thursday night through um, from then on will all go up for sale theoretically at the same time. I don't know if there's going to be any right. special event screenings or anything else. I haven't. 
obviously they haven't actually been posted. This is a lot of these stories are very speculative. Um, it says on Screen Rant that uh, tickets will be available for pre-order on the second, and because it's a three-hour movie, the first screenings will be at six p.m. on uh, the second. Uh, sorry, on the opening night rather than seven o'clock because they want to get two shows in, and if they want to get two shows in, they have to do from six till nine, and then from whatever yeah, nine twenty-five sure. till ten or till twelve twenty-five or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I mean, by the time you throw on the trailers and everything else, uh, that's going to be a long night at the the cinema. That's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. It'll be into tomorrow for sure. Mind you, that's happened before with with Avengers movies. Well, and we... We The last Avengers movie was long. It was not nearly that long. But, I mean, for those of us who have gone through the wars with uh, Lord of the Rings and some of these other, you know, epic uh, sweeping pictures, it's it's not out of the realm. It's just, again, it's a a novelty for these movies. They've never done that before. Gone over the three-hour mark. Right, right, right. And what's next? What's next? Well, this one uh, made me laugh. And I know, Jaime, you had flagged this one as well. Um, This... story this week. So, Zack Snyder, the director of uh, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice and uh, uh, noted um, blowhard, he basically did this screening where he talked about, uh, he was doing a screening of Watchmen and he was doing a Q&A and people started questioning him about uh, the complaints that his character, his portrayal of Batman in these movies is a straight up murderer. He kills uh, by, I mean, I've looked it up online. The estimate is that he kills 21 people in just that one movie. Um, And so he went on this expletive-laced tirade where he said, someone says to me, Batman killed a guy. And I'm like, F, really? Wake the F up. And, you know, he went on and was talking about uh, uh, Watchmen saying, once you've lost your virginity to this effing movie, and then you come and say to me something about, like, my superhero wouldn't do that. I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, down the effing road on that. It's a cool point of view to be like, my heroes are still innocent. My heroes didn't effing lie to America. My heroes didn't embezzle money from their corporations. My heroes didn't commit any atrocities. That's cool, but you're living in an effing dream world. Uh, and as you can imagine, the uh, internet at large did not enjoy this response. And so there's been a lot of um, backlash online, social blogosphere with people taking exception to his interpretation of, uh, you know, I think people had always had a little bit of a not great appreciation for his interpretation of the character, but now it's sort of become even more um, pointed since he's taken off this, you know, basically saying like, grow up, I don't care what you think, I can do whatever I want, I'm I'm Zack Snyder. So, I don't know, would you make it this one, Jaime? Yeah, I, I can understand some of the point he's trying to make, but I disagree with it in terms of, you know, if you're choosing these particular characters that have particular aspects to their, their core essence of the character, I don't think you can change that. I think you can change some other things to maybe more modernized backstories and some motivations. But I think if you change the severe disadvantage that they would normally be under, if they are like, look, I can't kill, right? Superman can't kill. Batman can't kill. And in Superman's case in particular, it's, it solves a lot of his problems, right? Oh yeah. Hey, Lex Luthor is an inconvenience, whatever. He's dead. I'm Superman. Who's going to stop me? Right? Uh, Batman has to try a little harder to kill them than Superman does. Like I think having the, the, the good guys have that, that flaw of, wow, it would be so much more convenient. Yeah, I would totally kill the Joker. I would 100% kill Lex Luthor without even thinking about it, you know, in front of his mother and his sister, right? <laughs> and then send him uh, videos of the thing on Thanksgiving, you know, like 
like because that's a more human sort of reaction but the heroes are supposed to be more right they're supposed to have uh, all sorts of flaws including the hypothetical flaw of wow they're really trying to uphold justice even when it seems like it might be um, not necessarily the wrong thing to do but something that other people would choose not to do or not be strong enough to choose to do well does batman kill people in the comic books jonathan no um the one of the main sort of um sort of directions of the character is that he doesn't kill he doesn't use guns and he doesn't kill because his parents died by gun violence so you know this has been around in the movie world of batman for a long time because um you know even as early as 1989's batman movie he flies down the street at one point uh in his bat wing and he starts taking shots at the bad guys with his bat wing which you know even those of us who are fans back then were like uh, i don't think that's what he'd do um but yeah part of his sort of way of doing things is that he rises above the idea is that he is not um you know he doesn't stoop to the level of the criminals he does not he's not a killer because they're killers right right yeah i i've seen a pretty good analysis of in this case one of his rogues gallery villains doc uh, sorry mr freeze and in this video they were pointing and i'll see if i can find it uh if not i'll have it in the show notes for you guys to look at next week um they're saying on that scale of like you know perfectly good and you put batman on one side and perfectly bad like a joker sort of a, a force of, of evil nature somebody like a mr freeze sort of sits in the middle and that yes he's a villain and he definitely leans towards that villainous side of the scale but his motivations are completely based on either revenge or on he would do anything for his wife depending on you know where in the the animated series we're talking about for this one and i think that's something that gets to the core of like yeah you have to have batman as the one side of the spectrum where he's unwilling to make the sort of compromises moral compromises that somebody like mr freeze is willing to do yeah yeah i don't know again it, it just i it immediately stuck in my craw again i you know it's you can't control these things and obviously you know we when you make a film based on a character you're asking an artist to continue telling the art in a different medium and you know you can set guidelines so i don't really necessarily put it on him although he certainly is responsible but you know as the keepers of that i think you know dc entertainment or, or warner brothers has to be the one who says like you know these are the guidelines for what our characters can and can't do you know in the film previous to the one we were discussing you know they have batman snap a person's neck like that that's again that's not a decision that superman would make in the character that i grew up reading or enjoying but you know if they feel that that's necessary to the type of storytelling that they want to tell you know I, I guess it's it's up to them to decide whether that's appropriate for their character but then i can choose with my dollars to say i don't want to go see the you know movies that you involve your interpretation of that character and given that that sort of world has imploded a little bit on them um i guess you know lots of people are doing that yeah it's an interesting thing from the point of view of how we live in society. We don't go around killing each other. I mean, yes, there are people in our society who go around killing people, but they don't they don't get away with it, you know? Um, so it's an interesting idea that, you know, in, in film and, you know, all that kind of stuff, we have to, we always want to have, what is it, was John Wick says it in John Wick 3, the trailer, you know, guns, I need more guns, you know? Um, which is, I think he lifted that from, from uh, The Matrix, right? But um, the whole idea of every, every you know, all, like every movie we watch, there's like bullets being you know showered all over the place and people dying you know on a single shot or multiple shots or what have you but you know um it, it's interesting that we have to like with some for some reason that has to be part of every story we tell you know unless you're unless you're not watching an action flick you're watching you know sense and sense
sensibility or something like that where they don't run around and unless they're zombies they don't go run around killing people right um so it's interesting that art has evolved to that point where you know we feel that we have to have we have to have we have to question whether or not batman and superman or spider-man would kill somebody you know the 60s batman that i grew up with even whether it's in the comic books or or the you know the uh, adam west batman i mean you know they they were almost comical but back then that was tel- television didn't really go around shooting people other than in westerns right you know um, and that was why it was called the wild west you know uh, in in common decent society we didn't we don't we don't expect people to be dropping like flies you know we have more respect for life in in, in our in our world anyway right so. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i mean if, if you're if you're uh if batman if bruce wayne has to keep his identity as batman secret because he's killing people that's a that's a plausible reason right you know why else would he not just be like tony stark and say well i am iron man as a matter of fact you know like what's what's the point in hiding yeah. well and again it's, it's different you know different viewpoints you know dc has taken the approach that their heroes are more you know grounded and would make these you know mature 21st century choices uh, you know marvel's taken the different tack that you know generally they you know don't have their characters be like that you know that's why they have you know ultron be the bad guy and they can pummel robots into the ground and they have the aliens be bad guys because they're not really alive they're just aliens you know it's not like they're killing people um you know again it, it's just a it's a philosophical point and clearly Zack snyder's point was what they wanted to make now again they have since moved on from letting him make their movies so maybe that's not the direction they're going to continue going and if you look at you know the last few movies you know wonder woman had certainly uh, a level of violence but it was set during war um you know look at the trailer for shazam which is coming out next week and it certainly doesn't look quite as over the top violent as you know those those movies were so maybe they're moving away from that but then they also have movies like suicide squad too so again i, I guess it's just a matter of interpretation yeah yeah all right on a happier note let's move on to the next story <laughs> all right well we'll do a couple of quick ones here so uh good news for fans of uh marvel's runaways on hulu they've announced they're going to do a third season uh personally excited about that one i enjoyed season one i have season two completely loaded up on my pbr but i have not watched it yet because uh unlike our friends in the united states it uh who got it through hulu we got it on uh cable television here and they aired it week by week so instead of getting it all dropped in december we got it week by week and it just culminated i think uh last week or the week before here so uh they doled it out so i will sit and do a binge on it but that was a really good show and i'm, I'm happy that one's coming back uh, are you guys watching that yeah, it's funny i stopped watching it because i, I just i, I, I kind of missed a couple of episodes and i want to try to go back and catch it catch up with it i don't know i, I find it derivative i don't really find it you know interesting or new or in any way other than maybe the big giant dinosaur that runs around with them but yeah i don't i, I don't think i'm gonna go back and watch any more of it but then and i don't have hulu so I have, i've not watched any of it yeah. <laughs> right by the way you missed dora <laughs> oh did i skip dora oh, sorry I'll, I'll jump yeah back. there's a whole cinematic universe that we've not discussed uh, well all right let's jump back into dora so uh yes flag this one so we got our first trailer for the dora the explorer movie live action uh is it called dora and the lost city of gold um yeah something like that so. yeah so um the note that i made was that you know dora is going full tomb raider so uh it, it's pretty uh it's kind of a weird mix it's like uh, nickelodeon meets uh angelina jolie's tomb raider uh what did you guys make of this new trailer and a bit of easy a in there yeah exactly so did yeah i mean obviously you know being a big tomb raider fan myself um you know i immediately saw the tomb raider likeness in in the, the way that the the trailer starts anyway 
Well, well, the thing I saw was, so I watched the trailer and then said, I am unclear if this is a Saturday Night Live sketch. Yeah. <laughs> it could be either one. And I said, well, it's from Paramount. And I look at my calendar and say, it is not April 1st in any time zone. So I guess it was real. <laughs> and it slowly sort of sunk in. I was like, oh, okay, this is this is the thing that they're going for. The, uh, you know, this Dora, the Explorer Cinematic Universe, as I described. Um, I, I, I just assume that's what they would go for because they, they introduce um, Diego, her yep. older cousin, who also had a TV show, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I could see them setting up sequel. I, I didn't even see anything in the trailer itself that specifically spelled like sequel, but I'm like, yeah, they introduced Diego here. It means they're setting up multiple movies, crossover movies, um, and it looks like other people were joking in the YouTube comments. You know, 2019, Dora and the Lost City of Gold. 2022, Kailu, The Search for Hair. <laughs> 2025, 20 29 Bob the Builder Infinity War yeah. um <laughs> so let's, let's see what happens here just like I I joked about the Detective Pikachu cinematic universe it's it's only half in jest cuz that's what these movie uh, studios are doing nowadays. Isn't this the same people who are, who did Spy Kids or same director? Mm. Did we talk about? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Right? I don't know. Is it is it Robert Robert Rodriguez did Spy Kids? Didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'll have to look that one up. Dora and this. Right. I don't but know. It but it, they me, have a it lot struck of... me as a sort of teen movie. Like you know, it wasn't. It's not geared towards adults. Although I guess some of us who grew up on that stuff. I'm looking at you two guys. Um, uh, no, I um, I did raise my children on Dora. They, they to this day they. I don't know yeah. why they know some Spanish words that they know. <laughs> I just remember this, swiping, this, no swiping, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this cast has um, Michael Peña, Eva Longoria, and Danny Trejo. So a lot of And Benicio Del Toro. Oh. It's a big dame. So. Oh, that's right. He's playing Swiper, isn't he? Is. he? I don't think he came remember out in this trailer. Remember we talked about that, right? You're right. You're right. I completely forgot. He did not appear in this trailer. So. Do you know who Danny Trejo is playing? I didn't see his face either. He's who? the monkey. No. <laughs> He was the purple monkey. <laughs> is he doing like a Vin Diesel? I am Groot sort of. I, I don't know. I can't wait. I, I gotta admit, I, the curiosity of this one. Like, I really hope it comes to Netflix because I out of the the curiosity level is very high. Yeah, is, this, is he the guy that was in um, Breaking Bad? Uh, I don't know. Was Danny Trejo? He was. He was yeah. uh, uh, La Tortuga. He oh, was the, that's right. the Mexican guy that yeah. the DEA were were leaning on. Yeah, to doesn't be he the end informant. up on the on the turtle walking through the, the desert? Yes, 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 he yes, does. yes. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's exactly it. Yeah. He's also from yeah. uh, Machete. Machete. He has own, his own series of crazy... <laughs> um, was that Robert Rodriguez? Who? Uh, Who Ma- I don't know if Machete was. He was in Desperado, right? And uh, uh, was he in Amarachi as well? Or was he... I can't remember. Can't, I don't know. There's, there's, a, there's a long tangled history here. Oh, yeah. I mean, Danny Trejo's an icon, right? He was in He was in Spy Kids too, right? Maybe. Maybe. One of them? Maybe. One of them, yeah. Because yeah. there, were, there were like two... And then there was like... Well, whenever you need a scary Mexican Lava Girl. guy, he's the guy that... Yeah, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You want a scary looking dude for, uh, you know, your in-prison drama there you're definitely going to sign up that dude to make an appearance if nothing else oh look at this i just looked this up his second cousin is robert rodriguez well there you go oh there we go there we go go. prior to working in films trejo worked in as a labor foreman in construction there you go wow this feature for everybody no kidding in the off-world colonies oh yeah and con air remember him in con air god yeah anyway i've never actually made it through that entire movie oh are you kidding me that is one of the most rewatchable fun really stupid movies ever made it is it is the most 
genius, stupid movie ever made. I think when people uh, say going full Nick Cage, that's, that's one of the it. ones that they have in mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nick Cage with the blowout, with the, the long hair and the, the wife beater. Oh, my God. Genius. All right. All right. Well, that's cool. enough digression into Dora Land. Um, so I've also got here the um, the news this week that uh, Blumhouse, the movie studio behind uh, such hits as Get Out, uh, has just put the green light onto a remake of The Craft, which was a very popular 1990s movie. Uh, and Zoe Lister- But it was also a TV show, wasn't it? I don't know. Did they do a TV show version of it? Yeah, yeah. It had them... Uh, yeah, because like the... I'm trying to remember her name the the one that was in the movie but i think they they brought the backup cast so the the second and third players they be, they did a a version of the on the tv show for a while yeah yeah a season or two anyway well they're doing a new film and uh zoe lister jones who is on um on tv what the heck's the name of that show life in pieces she's on life in pieces on on tv on cbs and she's also a indie filmmaker she did a, an amazing movie for a couple of years ago it was a sundance called um Band-Aid, which I really, really like. So she's really good. So I'm really excited to think what, what they can do with this. So she's going to write and direct it. So that's uh, I'm, I'm keen to see what... That seems like a franchise worth rebooting. The idea of this sort of group of uh, little coven of young witches who uh, basically get together and, and try and go from there. Um, it, was, it was a good movie in its time. Faruza Balk, that's what I'm thinking of. And Nev Campbell was the uh, the other one. And Robin Turney, she was the, the one that was not witchy or something like well, that? Rob, no, Robin Tony was the hero, right? She was the one. They were all starting yeah, to get into yeah. like the dark side, and Fraser Balk goes like totally dark. The other two just sort of follow along, and uh, and Robin Tunney is the was the sort of one who doesn't want to go dark. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there was a TV show. Let me just look it up here. TV show, yeah, craft TV, craft TV shows. No, that's like that's not not the exact thing I'm looking for. <laughs> Paper craft arts and supplies. Yeah, no. Oh, we'll we'll fact check that one for next week. Yeah, for sure. Okay, what's next? I wanted to, this is almost semi-crossover with MTJC content that we had uh, related to Apple's uh, TV Plus streaming service. So I'm only going to mention a handful of the shows that are actually sort of on point with our content here on SpotCast. Uh, we'll have the show notes, actually we'll have the link of the show notes for those of you transporting at home. I want to pick out uh, Amazing Stories, which is done by Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment, and that's going to be a science fiction anthology series based on the 1985 NBC show. So, so we should clarify, we're, ta- we're talking about the Apple TV thing, right? They, uh... Yep, yep. They they announced you know a whole slew of things you know including like some Sesame Street stuff. Um, yeah, Sesame Street coding cipher. it looked like to me. Sorry, it looked like Sesame Street coding to me. Right, Wait. right. Uh, so there's a whole list of things here, but uh, the other one that should be mentioned that seems like it's on my my list of ooh I want to see this is C S E E starring Jason Momoa, which takes place in a world devastated by a virus that left only a few million survivors who are blind, and the series takes place centuries later, where it's disputed whether people could. Could actually see in the first place. Hmm. Sounds like an interesting concept. The very brief two seconds I think we saw during the event of it looked pretty cool. I mean, Jason Momoa looks like a rock star kind of person, right? He looks pretty damn cool. He's got the Cal Drogo kind of stuff going on, um, Aquaman sort of stuff going on, and it, it just looks very moody and like it could be very dramatic. Cool. So what what have we found in Vancouver there, Jonathan, or in BC? Oh, in BC, yeah, this is a, this is a weird but interesting story. So uh, 
I don't know if you guys have seen this on the socials, but uh, there's been this sort of campaign going around that uh, the the creators of Game of Thrones, or probably more likely the marketing department at HBO, have been doing this contest to promote the uh, forthcoming eighth season by uh, hiding six uh, versions of the Iron Throne around the world and basically putting out clues on social media as to where they are and then having uh, people go and find them. And so we got news this week, earlier this week, that uh, one of the thrones was found in a very uh, isolated location in British Columbia. Um, so this story from the CBC is very interesting. It's, uh, it's uh, Kevin and Birgit Sharman, uh, who say they aren't really sh- fans of the show. Uh, they are involved with the Tumblr Ridge UNESCO Geopark Society, an organization aimed at getting more tourists to Tumblr Ridge in BC. And a reporter called them to ask about geographical features in the area in relation to this HBO contest um, where they had hid these these thrones. They decided that, you know, oh, the, they kind of knew where this guy was talking about. It's in Babcock Creek. So the two of them got on their cross-country skis and they went out there and sure enough, they got there and they saw this throne sitting there and there was two guys dressed like like Game of Thrones characters and uh, Birgit went and sat on the throne and they declared her the winner and they took a picture and posted it online and said she is, you know, she is the the winner of the bragging rights for having found this this throne. So the previous uh, previous locations, they found one in England in Puzzlewood. They found one in Bjorklinden, Sweden, one in Castillo de Atienza, Spain, and one in Beberibe, Brazil. And then they just, I think today I saw they were uh, put up the campaign for the last one. Uh, so yeah, these, these six thrones. So uh, yeah, kind of a neat little sort of tie-in for the, the the eighth season by hiding one of the thrones right here north of the wall. Cool, cool. Hey, by the way, um, this is sort of a fact check follow-up thing, but um, we were talking last week about Angel, mm-hmm. right? Which apparently Jaime's never seen or hasn't watched much of. I didn't know but, much. I'm familiar-ish with the character from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Aware yeah. the fact that the series existed, but didn't know anything about it. Yep. So the guy, the guy who plays Angel, and he also plays the um, the detective or the FBI guy on Bones. How do you say his name? Boreanis. Boreanis. Yeah, David oh, okay. Boreanis. There's our fact check from last week. Yeah. So uh, yeah, because <laughs> David was talking about how uh, they, so they're already planning on doing a reboot or maybe revival. They're not clear on what they're doing with Buffy. Um, so they're talking about doing that, and he basically said, you know, yeah, maybe. Maybe there'll be a, an appearance by Angel in it too. So yeah, was, that's kind of cool. Oh, I see. Okay, right. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they tie all these things together. If it is going to be a, a reboot or a revival, or if it's going to be another sort of take on the character. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how. It's always like it's those characters that are supposed to be ageless. It's always a fun thing to see how they're going to do that. So Angel is a vampire yeah, on the yeah. on the Buffy show and on his own show. He's an he's an he's a vampire and he's supposed to be immortal. Even over the course of filming it, over I think it was he was played that character for ten years on and off from the first season of Buffy to the last season of Angel. And he did physically change a little bit. He put on some weight. He looked a little bit different. Um, now it's been 20 years or 25 years, I think. Oh, 20, 20 or 25 years since the first season of Buffy. Uh, if he does come back, I wonder how they'll explain away that he's uh, a much older person now. It's like bringing Data back. And, you know, there's only so far you can bring Brent Spiner back and be like, yeah, no, Data's a robot. He's fine. <laughs> right. I think with modern you know, face de-aging technology, I think you blow the budget on the first episode where, whoops, he's, you know, curse, magic curse. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Magic curses caused him to age like a mortal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you could write that in there somehow, but it, it'd be interesting to see how they resolve that. That's like Luke Skywalker or Mark Hamill, who was in a car accident between Star Wars and uh, Empire Strikes Back, and they had to explain his facial changes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So next of up, course. we've got uh, news this week that a uh, very famous Oscar-winning actress may be joining uh, one of Marvel's upcoming movies. So uh, Angelina Jolie is apparently in talks to join uh, the Marvel movie The Eternals that is in development. Um, hmm. Interesting development. Again, it seems like inevitable that eventually they will just suck in every actor and actress known to man into a, a superhero film. She had previously done a comic book movie. She did Wanted, which is based on a, um, a comic book. Uh, and that came out, I think, in 2007, maybe. Uh, but we haven't seen her in that kind of uh, superhero-y kind of superhero movie. And that one, she sort of plays this mm-hmm. sort of preternaturally gifted assassin. So, uh, yeah, big, big, big name get for Marvel if they can get her to be the star, because uh, she certainly has some draw. So, pretty cool. And the last thing I've got here uh, is the Star Wars poster leaker fake. Uh, I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at this. So, this came out yesterday that there uh, is this promotional image slash movie poster that has popped up. Um, it's on makingstarwars.net. It is on a lot of different sites. Everybody's taking the time to say this, so I'll say it too. It's unclear whether this is a leak or whether this is a fake. So somebody could have just concocted this and chucked it up on the internet, or it could be an image that was um, that was spirited away from one of the promotional areas of uh, the Star Wars Episode Nine. Um, it does bear a bit of a resemblance to the box art that was on um, a lot of the toy packaging and uh, promotional packaging for materials around Episode Eight. Um, so it's possible and it's plausible. Uh, the poster shows some interesting um, uh, things, not the least of which is um, Kylo Ren has his mask back. We have a look at a uh, group of dark hooded figures that look an awful lot like the Knights of Ren, who would be uh, the the fallen Jedi trainees who followed along with Kylo when he left uh, the Jedi Order. Uh, we see in the poster <laughs> C-3PO holding a bow caster and wearing C3 uh, wearing wearing Chewbacca's uh, uh, bandolier. Um, and there's a mix of some new vehicles on there too, and also red stormtroopers. So uh, I don't know. What do you guys make of all this? Do you think it's uh, this is an authentic item, or we're looking at something that somebody concocted in their basement? And... Yeah, photoshopped. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've I, made poster. I've made Star Wars posters in Photoshop before. Let me have a look at this. I could see it being. All right. So I don't think this is going to be the final poster. No. So it's it's not you know use your scare quotes authentic in that respect. But I could see this being something that somebody threw together to give um, the like Hasbro. Kenners of the world, you know, when they're going and meeting and saying like, look, we're going to have cool toys for this character and this character. And it's kind of more like a, like an artist's mood board of this is the sort of thing we're going for, mm-hmm. right? We're going to have the heroes. And of course the heroes are lit very cleanly, brightly, you know, white purity. And then the villains are all very dark and red. And they've even, I don't think there's going to be these red stormtroopers. I think very similar to Ray's uh, shocking red uh, scarf that they had in the official movie poster that just looked cool. And you evoked the the red 
uh, salt snow mm-hmm. of, uh, of the, the final Hoth-like planet that they went to. I think this is the same thing where it's intended to be an artistic interpretation of like, hey, if they were, you know, with a 50-foot man Kylo Ren hanging over them, his red lightsaber would cast this red pall on them. I think it's more artistic there than it is a, like, we're going to have red toys. Well, they did. And, and they, they, they do pointedly have the red troopers at the bottom of the image, and they do have white troopers on the same page so that you can see that they're distinctively different. So there is mm-hmm. a, sort of a speculation that these are actually the stormtroopers that work directly for Kylo, that these are his guys in red. Well, that'd be cool, but I, I could also see like, hey, they're 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 in the shadow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not directly under the mood beam. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, but yes, it's a very striking, cool uh, red, you know, I'd, I'd buy one of these toys of the red stormtrooper, but um, that's where I, I, I'm going to hope that this is going, that this is more of like, hey, somebody cobbled this together and, and maybe this is like the inspiration for what the final art is going to be, but I don't believe it to be the final art. Yeah, yeah. putting on my artist hat, um, this totally looks fake to me, you know, because I mean, like the way they've got the ships drawn in here, the fact that Kylo Ren is holding his sword backwards, um, the the logo type at the bottom, and there's no other wording at all. This just doesn't look like a legit poster to me. Yeah, well, it'll be you interesting know, it to see how like... this plays out. The, the, the one thing that sort of caught me, so the, there's two things. The one, they said that there's a, a, a depiction of an alien standing next to um, uh, Finn, and they said that's just yeah. a placeholder image. The expectation is that's not a real character. They just That's the guy from Farscape, right? I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, um, <laughs> they just, yeah, it looks like they chucked an alien in there and said basically like, there'll be an alien here, but there's no, like, it's a really weird, random looking alien. Um, notable the Afro girl in the back with the with the goggles on? Who's that supposed to be? They did announce that one. So I did see her. I'm trying to remember what her name is. I think I saw it in here. Her name is... Hold on. Jenna. J-A-N-N-A-H. Jenna. Um, so she is a confirmed character. So that's that's a thing. Um, and the, the one who's um, next to um, Oscar Isaacs there in purple is apparently the character... Carrie Russell is playing that character. The one with a mask on. Um, yeah. That is apparently, again, a confirmed character. Um, but yeah, the notable omissions on here, looking at the poster too, is again, they're bringing back Lando and they're bringing back Leia. Um, it seems strange that there isn't those touches on there. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's, it's possible it's real. It's possible it's not. Again, it's it's interesting. So Star Wars Celebration is this weekend too, I think in Chicago. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if we start seeing actual things like, oh, I don't know, a trailer or actual posters mm-hmm. or stuff start to leak out uh, because they do like to unveil those things uh, at those kind of events. So it'll be interesting to see if we start getting any confirmation on this. It does seem a little strange. We haven't seen uh, much official stuff. Uh, you know, we're getting into April uh, in a few days and, and we still haven't seen very much from this yet. And it's uh, it's coming up fast. Yeah, I could, again, if, if this was like a, let, let's show the merchandisers what they're going to get for this first wave. I'd be like, look guys, there's going to be, you know, Hasbro, guess what? Red Stormtroopers, you're going to sell a million of them. 7-Eleven, you're going to get this, you know, thirst buster cup topper that you can sell. It's this weird alien dude. Yeah. You don't know what it is. Kids will love it. They'll, they'll pay extra money for it. And yes, Play Mobile, we thought about you too. You didn't sell as many of the C-3PO's <laughs> as you wanted because little kids are like, well, that's lame. He doesn't do anything. We're giving him a gun just in this thing. <laughs> just in the, in the for under three years old Play Mobile toy, yes, he will have a gun, you know, and kids can go shoot, shoot, bang, bang. I, I, could, pew, I could argue pew. my way into like, this is how they, they show a committee of folks like this is what we're doing. 
we live in a world now where the tools are available to make these things uh, more readily. And there are a lot of talented amateur artists out there who can do this kind of stuff. So it certainly is viable that it's yeah. a fake. Um, it, it did make the rounds. Uh, again, a lot of stuff, uh, you know, in the reddits of the world. There are a lot of people, you know, trying to analyze and parse and look at these different things. And there are believers and there are deniers. Uh, again, we'll post this in our show notes. Please have a look. Let us know what you think. You can hit us up as uh, at Spotcast on Twitter and see if you uh, have a vote on whether or not this is authentic. But it's, uh, again, it's, it does sort of whet the appetite. You start thinking about, you know, okay, well, who's that? What does that mean? And what, what's happening here? So, uh, yeah, it's, it's about time we started caring about Star Wars. Apparently, our fans for our uh, vote for this year said they cared more about Star Wars than they did about Avengers. So, you know, maybe they'll, uh, they'll, this will whet their appetite. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. By the mm-hmm. way, it's, mm-hmm. it's hashtag AskSpotCast. Yes. For those of you transporting at home. All right. So, Jaime, what do you got for us? We talked about the Bear Grylls-based U uh, versus wild interactive movie similar to uh, Bandersnatch that Netflix came out with. Here, the focus is on the you decide sort of thing of like, should I should I go punch this grizzly bear or should I go home and play Xbox um, kind of levels of decisions or the should I drink from this Gatorade that I brought on the trip or should I drink my own urine? You know, I assume this is going to be the level uh, people were talking about the, oh, like it might not end well for me as he, as he says in the trailer. And uh, I assume they're going to show like, all right, this is what would have happened with have broken my leg it would have died of gangrene that sort of thing they're not gonna really you know kill uh, bear grills and then do like a prestige level thing where they bring they bring him back as a clone and, and have him do the next part but i thought it was right. interesting that they're they're emphasizing the uh you're gonna make all these choices for him sort of thing cool all right that sounds like fun yeah i just added this one to the show as we're talking here i saw this yesterday i don't know if you guys have had a chance to look at it but <laughs> quentin tarantino's ninth movie is coming out and it's called once upon a time in hollywood and uh it's uh, in the trailer you see uh, um, um, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio is, is playing this Hollywood actor and in the shadows you sort of see his, his stunt double and they're talking about who his stunt double is and of course the stunt double is Brad Pitt uh, so that's an interesting uh, little movie that's coming out so we'll have a link to the trailer in the show notes have you guys had a look at this at all or heard about it I've seen the trailer that came out maybe a week or two ago but have not yeah. seen this article yeah yeah. I saw the trailer yeah. again it's you know it looks very Tarantino and he's assembled quite the cast it's it's be interesting to see his interpretation obviously it's set around the um the manson murders right so interesting to yeah. see that era captured in a tarantino movie you wonder if he's going to do his own sort of version of it as uh you know inglorious bastards where you know the tables are turned and somebody kills charles manson or something i don't know or if this is going to be more true to uh to the actual historical events all right okay well so we've reached the the pinnacle of our episode here where we talk about star trek discovery in this one we're talking about season two episode 11 perpetual infinity who's who's taking the reins uh, volunteers uh, well I can, yeah you've had a little little bit of a, a a sabbatical from this jonathan so i think it's i think it's your go on this one <laughs> all right well in in an honor of missing a couple episodes due to uh, other commitments I'll, I'll dive right in for us here so uh so the episode starts with a flashback we finally get a look at the uh the the day that is burned into uh, michael burnham's mind where uh the uh the klingons basically come looking for his parents who have stolen this time stone um so you know we see the moment when uh, she gets 
stuck in the closet and, and theoretically hears her parents get killed by the, the Klingons. Um, we flash to her, you know, waking up in sick bay and basically she's, uh, you know, recovered from being asphyxiated in last episode when they were trying to lure the red angel down to try and rescue her thinking it was her to rescue herself when in fact it turns out to be her mother who was actually coming to rescue her. Um, yeah. The, is that a good summary of last week? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, basically they say, uh, you know, her mom is down on, on the planet still. She's sedated. Michael's recovering. Um, we get uh, over to the um, uh, section 31 ship where last week we saw Leland uh, get jabbed in the eye. And as you guys mentioned, we heard this uh, uh, mimicry of his voice. And so sure enough, we this week we tune in and uh, we find that uh, control, the computer system uh, has him prisoner and basically does the whole uh, the whole you know we are control you will be assimilated and uh, inject him with look look like nanites right or something something yeah, yeah vaguely yeah. similar it didn't it didn't look exactly the same it wasn't um, it wasn't quite you know, Borg but it was Borg it was Borg esque Borg Borgish it was Matrixy too Bor- Borgy yeah yeah so uh, so Leland it didn't say it didn't say resistance it said struggle is pointless struggle is pointless as opposed to you will be assimilated so either way you want to slice it he's been assimilated so he is now under the control of control um, so we get a little bit of plot exposition as to uh, what's happened with uh, Dr. Gabriel Burnham Michael's mom uh, we find out that uh, as Burnham as Michael Burnham is reviewing her uh, travel logs basically that uh, when she got in her suit and disappeared from the uh, attack by the Klingons her intention was that she was going to go one hour into the past and she was going to help them avoid getting uh, attacked but in fact she gets propelled 950 years slingshotted into the future and uh, is stuck there and then realizes that when she gets there that all of the uh, sentient races in the galaxy have been wiped out so she starts figuring out how to do these time jumps as a as a guide to try and go back and uh, figure out how to undo what has been done uh, so Leland Cutis of Borg as I've called uh, Leland here because he's now Leland we'll call him Leland he's Leland but he's control how are we going to track Leland versus Leland the robot guy Leland Cutis works for me Leland Cutis so Leland Cutis mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. basically now uh, basically with all the um, under control of, of control orders Ash to steal the sphere data because what it needs to do is basically merge with this uh, massive element of information and that will give it its power to finally uh, realize its goal become sentient and uh, that will allow it to basically can carry out its plans which is the elimination of all uh, sentient life right um, yep Michael is going through her logs, uh, trying to sort of figure out how this happened. Uh, her mom wakes up. Her mom says, I want to see Pike. I don't want to see Michael. I just have some things to say. Uh, she utters the very ominous line when she meets Pike. I could say more about your future, but you won't like it, which is really nasty. Like really, really <laughs> yeah, nasty, yeah. really nasty. Um, a sick burn there. That is a sick burn. It really is. 
like... Oh, wait, sick burn. That's not... That's too oh, soon. burn. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course, obviously referencing the uh, the uh, un- uh, unfortunate fate of Christopher Pike. Um, so, in the episode of Menagerie, right? Uh, Menagerie? Was it called? Yeah, wasn't it the one where he has, has, where Spock kicks him back? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, so the, then, uh, so Dr. Burnham, Gabriel Burnham tells Pike, you know, the only way for them to prevent the uh, future that she knows happens from happening is for them to destroy the sphere data. Because if the sphere data doesn't exist, then control can't get it. And if control can't get it, it can't do what it needs to do to destroy all living life, uh, life across the galaxy. So curiously, Dr. Burnham says that she put the sphere in Discovery's path so that they could keep it safe. Yeah, well, she realizes it because she, so, I think she intended to destroy it. She figured she couldn't figure out how to destroy it. So she put that in its path so that at least they would get it before Control does and right, hoping okay. that they would be able to safeguard it. But then clearly that's not working out either. So, um, right. so they basically go up to the ship. They have a discussion about it. Saru gets kind of bent out of shape and says like, you know, this is like smashing a work of art. It's like smashing, you know, uh, uh, the most historical find that, you know, humanity or, or Starfleet has ever made. Uh, but they sort of reluctantly come to the decision, okay, you know what, it's probably better to just do this. It, you know, if we know that the inevitability is that we're all going to die, we may as well do this. So they try and destroy it. It won't let itself be deleted. It basically encrypts itself using a, a millennia's old language as its guideline for encryption, which is actually really smart. Um, and basically won't allow itself to be deleted. Um, I made a note in here. I thought it was really interesting. In two subsequent scenes that we watched in the middle of this episode, there are two different crewmen in wheelchairs. I just thought that was really yeah, interesting. I only saw one, and I did go back and watch it again. But there's one that you saw two. There's one that wheels by uh, when we see Leland on his bridge, and then there's oh, another okay. one that wheels by when they cut to the next scene is wheeling down the hallway when they're on Discovery. Yeah, yeah. And wasn't Doctor McCoy in the in a wheelchair in, in the opening of I think it was uh, Oh Next Generation? Yeah. Yeah, Next Generation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, no, he's not in a wheelchair. He's walking. He's walking very, very slowly. slowly? Yeah, very oh, slowly. Okay. Um, but yeah, interesting. Like, you know, uh, interesting that they finally on this show or in this franchise recognize people with physical disabilities, but also really interesting that they uh, don't have something better than a wheelchair to offer by the 20th Yeah, exactly. Like, why can't century? they just sort of think their way through? Yeah. Yeah. Like, even we know, like, in a not distant future, like 10, 11 years in the future, Pike is a vegetable in a chair but his chair floats yeah. uh, you know like yeah. it's a strange it's a strange development anyways I, that's an aside but i thought that was an interesting note that uh that's the first time i could ever remember seeing a wheelchair in, in a star trek show um yeah, for sure so burnham finally convinces uh pike with a little help from spock to let uh her go down to the planet to talk to her mom initially he's hesitant to do that eventually he caves lets her go down um her mom is is kind of cold and a little bit sort of uh, uh dismissive you know she utters the line i let you go a long time ago um she basically says you know i've seen you die a thousand times in in different you know jumps and everything else you know basically saying you know you are in my past you know i have to carry up my mission because you know unless i can stop this you're going to die no matter what so it doesn't i don't want to bother getting to know you or or have this emotional reconnection because i've seen you die before i'll see you die again and and 
I don't want to make that that level of intimacy between the two of us real. Um, this is a really tough scene because Michael's obviously pretty torn up at seeing her mother not only alive but also pretty aloof and pretty cold to her. So uh, yeah, it's a bit of a hard watch and a good, a nicely acted scene by uh, Cindy Quinn Martin Green and the the woman who played her mom. I didn't uh, catch her name, but I thought she was really, really, really well done. And that scene where she acts against um, uh, uh, Georgia, the two of them, that was mm-hmm. like really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, um, so basically they come up with the idea coming out of that, that the only way to get rid of the data is to download all the sphere data into the Red Angel suit. And their plan is to put it into the the sort of limitless v- void of, of data holding it can take, let mm-hmm. it be teleported back into uh, time, and then use the transporters augmented by dark matter to beam Dr. Burnham out as it's being sucked away. So the idea is that basically she is tethered to the the gravitational pull of time, which through the whole episode is trying to pull the suit and her back into the, the wormhole back into the 950 years in the future. Uh, their idea is basically they're going to download all this information to the suit, let the suit go flying into the perpetual infinity, as the episode's called, and then beam Gabrielle out. Uh, which, of course, with a little contribution from Spock, who says, you know, this, uh, I like science. He basically comes up with this plan and then says, I like science, which is a great line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. By the way, some real-time follow-up for you? Yeah, yeah. So, Sonia Sohn uh, is the actress who played uh, um, uh, Gabrielle Burnham, mm-hmm. Dr. Gabrielle Burnham. She was actually in The Wire. Oh, that's where I knew her from. I said, I knew I knew her from somewhere. Oh, yeah, she's so yeah. good on that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she was great. She was really, really good at this episode i thought um so of course this this plan does not sit well with leland cutis of uh of not borg who uh then dispatches the emperor to uh steal the data uh, using this little uh little like sticky watch and uh to basically eliminate gabrielle make sure that you know those two threats are eliminated um and when she's down there there's really good scene where dr burnham and uh the emperor have this conversation where they're both talking about how they're both, you know, uh, mothers and they both have this, you know, these both very clearly very strong, very um, intelligent, very, very driven women uh, who have both been through some serious stuff, have this sort of standoff where they're, you know, they're both sort of flexing. And uh, and um, the one of the lines that's used by Dr. Burnham is, uh, you know, do you think control would let you guys do this? It poses an unacceptable risk to the larger mission and that's an exact mm-hmm. quote from what control had said to her as leland uh you know earlier in the episode and so this sort of triggers in um the emperor's mind that you know hey maybe leland isn't what he says he is at this point um so she sort of concocts this plan working with ash who is still on board the section 31 ship uh to be prepared to cut off the download and sort of see what the reaction is from leland so the two of them set that in motion um that they're going to stop this transfer and uh leland cutis basically responds by uh attacking ash who basically walks in and finds out that he's not who he says he is he's got this like weird robot face i don't know what what was happening with his face there yeah his face was like transforming or something like that it was like yeah like like it, there was times when you'd see the sort of black veins on the side of his head normally away from away from ash but at that point in time his face was kind of like you know all like darth vader without his helmet on kind of yeah thing, effect right that's what i was thinking too yeah yeah and and uh yeah and he so as soon as he sees that he realizes that that ash 
is now um, the, the instruction actually to Ash was to go and find out what Leland does in the dark. Oh yeah, yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So go see what he's doing in his in his little room in his hidey hole, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then she attacks he attacks uh, Ash and says, "You won't win," and all, or I think Ash says to him, "You won't win." But um, yeah, but Leland gut stabs him like a really nasty one of the yeah. goriest scenes we've seen in Star Trek for a while, where uh, you know he basically they, they get into a fight and it basically finishes with uh, with Leland Cutis gut stabbing and then pulling the knife out of uh, Ash with a big spray of blood across the room. Um, yeah, yeah. Ash, you know, has the fortitude to basically make a quick call over to, to Discovery and basically says, you know, Leland is the bad guy and then hits the floor. Um, Leland beams down to the planet and uh, ends up having, uh, uh, you know, basically a free-for-all. He guns down a bunch of the uh, the officers, Starfleet officers who are down there, unclear whether they're Section 31 or they're uh, Discovery staff um, starts blasting holes in everybody, breaks one of their necks. Like basically, he goes full like you know, uh, angry Borg. Um, blasts the suit, shoots a, shoots a hole in the suit. It looks like, um, and then gets into the the throwdown where it's him versus the Emperor, and the two of them have a, a pretty good fight. No Muppet leg. A little disappointed. No Muppet leg. Oh, there, there was there was a, there was a bit where she waved her, her foot in front of his nose at one point. She kept she, she took a kick her, at him, right? but she didn't do the like that awesome like flip kick the the leg flips up and kicks somebody behind her move which was one, still one of our all-time favorites but yeah pretty good throwdown pretty good fight between uh, leland cutis versus the emperor um and it basically culminates with you know uh um Col- uh not Colbert, um stamets and uh burnham and sorry what's the non, non yes non. non uh having to basically make the tough decision to uh let uh dr burnham go by blasting the containment field around her and letting her I mean, destroying the Ghostbusters gear. Yeah, that's right. Destroying the Ghostbuster tra- trap mm-hmm, that they mm-hmm. put her in last week. Uh, so they basically, yeah, they they have to uh, last this thing and let her out because they uh, have no other way to stop them, uh, to stop Leland. So the suit disappears into this, you know, time travel uh, vortex. And then outside of the suit, we see Dr. Burnham get sucked up into this thing too. Um, and so I, I, it's unclear clear what the fate is now right because we're talking about you know can she survive outside her suit where does she go when she goes through that portal so very unclear as to what her yeah. fate is and uh, does she end up in the same place yeah exactly yeah so i mean it seems like it would be unlikely that that's an end for this character with you know three more episodes to go this year but but also um you know a pretty pretty not good outcome for her um so uh at that point basically the the away team what's left of them the four of them beam out they go back to discovery discovery launches a bunch of photon torpedoes destroys the base hoping to kill control slash leland cutis uh it does not work he beams out gets aboard the section 31 ship and uh hauls out and apparently gets away with 54 percent of the sphere data um ash at the last minute before the ship beams out manages to escape an escape pod so they beam him aboard uh hopefully they're going to patch that big hole he has in himself right now and uh we end our episode with basically uh spock and michael burnham uh sitting down and playing a game of, of three-dimensional three dimensional chess three it's called three yes but just before mm-hmm. that though spock is very existential on on burnham mm-hmm. by telling her that the past the future the past is is, is, is gone and the future that they are now going to experience has not been written yet because they've, they've just i guess they've he's sort of implying they've messed with the timeline and that all we have to deal with now 
now is now, like what we where we are doing what we're doing now and where we are now and that kind of stuff. And he set while he's saying this, he sets up the game and they sit down to play. Right. Mm-hmm. So the board is yours, he says to Michael. So three episodes to go, and uh, now we've really got the stakes up. We, you know, we've had the big reveal. We know who the the Red Angel is. We know what her purpose was. You know, we had sure. this nice sort of cathartic thing where we, you know, connected. Uh, you know, Michael and and her mom had this little moment of connection, which I sort of uh, skipped over earlier. Where they, you know, they do have a little tearful moment where she basically says, yeah. you know, I have been watching you. I'm not emotionless. I'm not heartless. I've just, you know, I can't. Yeah, she was at her graduation. She was at the time she. Read the book to her to her dad and her bedroom and that kind of stuff or yeah so, so, so again she has a, sort of been there yeah a little catharsis a little bit of a little bit of uh, sort of closure there too but um you know the one interesting thing she says though is i've, I've watched you die a thousand times mm-hmm. you know so having you know having experienced her daughter's death you know every single time she goes and tries to, like she there were like 841 log entries in in the suit so she's been back and forth in a number of times trying to try Trying to write the the, the universe, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I, I have an imp- I have a kind of a question for you, Jonathan, because we you know we sort of started this this thing, and I've described you as as a sort of a movie pal that that it like, can be sometimes frustrating to go to see <laughs> movies with because, um, and I'm and I'm curious about these last three episodes in terms of like, did you see this coming? Um, because you haven't been on the show the last two episodes, and and you're just here now. So, did you see any of this coming? Like, did you see the how did you see how control was was messing with time and changing you know doing the deep fakes with with spot killing people and um did you did you could you have anticipated that it was it was um uh, michael burnham's mother coming back even though they tried to you know very clearly and the writers tried to throw us off the trail in in the middle of the last episode yeah it's so so, so uh, yeah it's been it's been a little bit painful i will say for our listeners i w- i had uh we we moved our moved our recording night uh a few months or a month and a half back because we wanted to be more timely and have the episodes closer, our, our Spock cast episodes closer to the, the Star Trek releases. Uh, but I had concert tickets for two different uh, weeks in a row. So I really enjoyed my concerts. If you get a chance, go see Maggie Rogers. She's awesome. But uh, I have been away. So um, yes, I can say, and you can take this with a grain of salt because obviously it's easy to be a Monday morning quarterback and say, yeah, of course, I totally saw that coming. I did see the deep fakes coming. I did sort of see that. Um, because there was no other answer. Like, it's the Sherlock Holmes, right? If you eliminate the improbable, anything that remains must be... Uh, eliminate the impossible, anything that remains, although improbable, must be the truth. That was the right. only answer for that one. Um, the episode last week where they had the reveal, at the beginning of the episode, and again, I, I know why you're frustrated. It frustrates my wife. It frustrates my son. Um, it frustrates people who know me. I try and keep my yap shut about it, but people ask, so here we go. Um, Hollywood and storytelling has structure and formula formulas are the way these things are built when at the beginning of last week's episode they started talking about what a smart and capable engineer and how smart michael burnham's mom was i immediately knew that that's who it was uh, okay because right. you don't say stuff like that you don't expose that much plot and that much form unless you're going to pay it off it doesn't make sense otherwise it's superfluous and on a 45 minute show you don't have time to be superfluous so you wouldn't do it so as soon as they started talking about that i was like yeah clearly that is it um but that being said it was only like 30 
30 minutes before the reveal. Like it was, it, it was there. It was there for the taking if you wanted it. Um, but um, it was no less satisfying. And, and again, it's still, the, the mystery still uh, played out like, really well for, you know, 10 episodes. Like it wasn't like it was like, you know, uh, some of the stuff last year where we certainly had a lot more telegraphed, you know, what was happening. You know, we were making predictions that were, you know, four or five episodes out that we were right on. Uh, I, if you'd asked me the week before, I would have had no idea. Like we, we certainly, we talked about it. I think uh, the last episode that I was on three weeks ago, um, we talked about sort of who we thought it could be. None of us had that as an option. Like, you know, we were sort of going through our list of established characters and who was there and everything else. We didn't really, you know, go that far. So um, yeah, they, the fact that they managed to build this out and have it play out for, you know, 10 episodes before that reveal and keep it, you know, interesting and compelling and, and, and be a good mystery all that time. Um, yeah, that's great. It was great. I think that I think that we did actually sort of I think we surmised at one point that it might have been Michael Burnham herself coming back. But <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, well, the the other thing too is like, and, and I kind of noticed this too, and I mentioned this pattern to Hami either last week or the week before that that they keep doing things like this. Like they they use the magnet to open the basement door uh, when they were locked in in the basement in in the Terralisium episode, and then they use mm-hmm. magnetism to save the day by pulling back those those pieces of the asteroids that were heading towards the planet, right? Mm-hmm. And then what they do last week or the week before they they or i think the arium episode where they were you know where arium were reliving arium's life there was a couple of things that they did in early in the episode that like one one storyline would do and they would have have some sort of reveal and then the other one would come along and figure it out or the the one where michael burnham runs up to the door and goes oh wait a minute maybe you know this is this is we're being faked out here and she runs back i forget what the actual actual sequence of events was but um, they were trying to sort something out, and she kind of realized that well, maybe this is a fake, you know, kind of thing, right? Uh, or something like that. If I figure what it was, or maybe this is maybe it's a game. I think maybe this is a game. Yeah, yeah. She's yes. playing a game with Spock, and then yeah. So the whole idea of her playing the game with Spock, and I think, and then coming back and you know discovering that that you know this is actually not real. Oh, the, the, the I think the mines, right? Uh, around the the the, the planet, they're trying to figure out how to get to the thing, and then they realize that that she realizes that it's actually a game that these these um, mines playing with them i think right mm. uh, yeah so uh, like they they do that so like i could see where you're saying like you know the the whole bit because i do remember them talking about how brilliant the mother was and then you know and of course you know leland making this whole you know spiel about how wonderful she was and she was actually part of you know section 31 and things like that right so yeah yeah i got it. it's uh, the, the problem is is that you know uh, you know being being a mass consumer of of stories again i've been reading comic books yeah. for my entire life i've been consuming movies and tv shows and everything else, um, and I have a fairly analytical mind. I I look for patterns. I look for formula. I look for structure. Yeah. Well, the Greeks say there's only true seven true stories, right? Like yeah, and again, the the, there are that. some great twists. Again, though, that's why I love you know like some of the best shows are you know the ones that keep me guessing. And you know again, I I'm not in any way disappointed with how the last three episodes have played out. I I felt really bad missing the last couple episodes with you guys because we got uh, of course Arium's big episode two episodes ago, and last week was the reveal of of who the Red Angel are. Which two huge sort of um pieces of this puzzle and uh you know it, it's it's been a very good season with a mystery that has been compelling and not um uh i don't feel like you know any of this has been sort of spoiled or ruined as we've gone through it like i say last year i think all of us were sort of guessing as to how this was all playing out and you know is is lork on their side or what's going on and we had all these different sort of guesses and we were pretty good at it i think last year um we're getting a little cocky i think they're 
Well, the whole the whole Voke Ash thing, right? Yeah, the whole Voke mm-hmm. Ash mm-hmm. thing, and then there was the you know is are uh, the you know Ultimate Dimension and Lorca, and you know we we sort of played along with a lot of this stuff, and and uh, I think that stuff was a little easier to see sort of where it was going. You know, this stuff has has been good, really good. So yeah, no no disappointment. Just uh, you know, it is what it is. If they're gonna if they're gonna throw lines like "Boy, she was great," and we really think she's great, and isn't she great? And oh, she was so great. And like okay, stop it. Like you know, like that's like red flags. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you think of this week, Jaime? I liked it. I think it was. Um, I, I think I described one of the episodes as very punchy. Probably when there was a lot of actual punching going on. Yeah, so this one was kicky. Um, I mean, it had it had good moments. It had. I wrote in my show notes uh, uh, the mother of all face offs. As yeah, I'm starting to do puns as much as possible in my show notes to remember what's going on. Um, and I think it, it it kept moving along, which is good. It, it, it's a little challenging to actually take notes during this. I usually use the um, commercial break on my 599 ad supported plan on CVS All Access and even then I'm still having trouble keeping up with everything that's going on there definitely moving at a at a very interesting and breakneck pace mm-hmm. uh, again no pun intended um yeah. <laughs> so, but but uh, I did I did want to point out though and this is the thing that Jaime pointed out a little while ago when you're we talking about Star Trek in general they literally said in the beginning of this episode like how long do you think it'll take oh uh, an hour maybe two yeah I knew for I knew right away it's going to be like 45 minutes right yeah before they solve this problem yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. No. I I just thought there was some good good stuff here. Enjoyed the episode. Um, I think some of the cuts that they make and some of the quips they make are so fast it's a little hard to see what happened. Like we were talking last time. Oh, what exactly happened to uh, Leland? Because they they made it a little too fast. And I think this time I would guess if I were to rewatch, I think uh, Leland Cutis shot the time crystal in the suit. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I think the right. suit is damaged and the time crystals were like a hard thing to find right and i think that's why the mother is pulled back um you know once they destroy the the ghostbusters trap she goes back and like she can't do anything now but just sit around and wait and hope that, that michael and the discovery solve this problem i think that's what happened but again that's like a such a critical point that i really wish they would just stay on it just like a half beat longer yeah. so you can really get what's happening well and that would i guess tie into i don't know if you had a chance to watch the coming next week uh, thing jaime for for where we're going next week but it, it definitely seems like that makes sense because of where they got the time zone last time mm. yeah i did see the the coming up next week thing yeah does that show for you guys because it, it randomly shows and doesn't show for me and then they never shows last week. they roll right into the next ep- the next show on yeah, space yeah they don't show it on space i, I okay. usually watch it online after the episode's over yeah. yeah i found it on youtube and sent it to tim last week i think yeah. Mm, okay yeah. yeah and i did i did watch it before this episode so i kind of enjoy not not knowing what's going to come what's going to happen right because because it occurs every time something that that they some line was used in today's episode i remember seeing it in the, the trailer for last week right so yeah i kind of almost don't want to see the, the what's coming up yeah yeah oh uh i didn't write it in my notes but i have no so the last couple of weeks i've been saying that colbert is is dressed like he's ready to go to the club yeah as he's he's not on active duty and he's on active duty so that's good back in this episode and he himself says oh it's only been like five minutes since i've been on active duty which i think was kind of the way i would have described it yeah 
Yeah, I was going to ask you guys what you thought of that one. So it seemed like he just sort of jumped into doctor mode uh, really strangely based on times. last week. Like last yeah. week he was down and he was like, like you say, he was wearing his club wear and he was down on the planet and he was talking with the, the emperor who was, you know, flirting him up and everything. Um, it seemed like this week because it just sort of jumped into Michael Burnham has the flashback and then she wakes up in sickbay and Dr. Colbert is the one who's there and uh, no sign of the other doctor who we've had as as the doctor on the ship for a while. Um, mm-hmm. it, it seemed like a strangely incongruous transition. I could see them doing something with it. Not saying they are, because it, it could just be a weird incongruity. But I could see them giving us a little bit of a plot line, maybe like a B plot in one of these upcoming episodes about um, Stamets wanting to reconnect. And Colbert is just 100% throwing himself into his work, because at least he knows how to do that. Yeah. Right? He, he may not know what, you know what foods he likes. He may not know exactly how he feels about his relationship with Stamets because he's like a, so a new wait, body. If he doesn't remember his the food he likes, how the heck does he remember all the the medical science he learned? No, no, not not doesn't remember. <laughs> it's it's like like he, he doesn't, he know doesn't why. feel yeah, it. It's yeah, it's like that. I re- have memory of that, but I don't actually feel it anymore, or I don't feel it the same way. But yeah. being a doctor, I mean, he's like, well, at least I can work eighty hour work weeks and and just completely absorb myself into my profession. I could right. see that being a plot line. I was actually just thinking, did you guys notice the the style of Klingons that came and shot them? Shot at just just before she gets blasted into the future. They were the uh, the shorn ones, the at war models. Yeah, at war models. Okay, right. Yeah, they were the uh, we don't have hair. We're strangely pale. Yeah, models. Yeah, their costuming looked like it was a mix, though. Like it was. I don't know. I have to go back and look at the shot, but it seemed kind of more a TOS ish style. Yeah, I mean, it, it's supposed to be twenty years previous, right? So twenty years. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because uh, Burnham says she was ten, and then she says to her mom later on that was twenty years ago so yeah 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 now, 20 earth years or 20 mars years yeah. or don't don't think about it too hard <laughs> timey wind yeah, and we and we did get another look at the invading uh, bird of prey coming in which mm-hmm. is one of the better angles i think we've seen of it we've seen it in in battle and certainly a lot of larger battles and it's been hard to track what it looks like but i can see how it if you squinch you can just say oh the ones we saw on like you know the old movies those were just not in hd and these are these are 4k now <laughs> now right. we can see right. all the detail yeah. are they like the 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 tos uh, version of the bird of praise not really they look a little mm. more like the one from star trek 3 oh, okay yeah okay with the uh, sort of swooped mm-hmm. forward wings and yeah. yeah yeah all right are we gonna talk about orville this week can we we can do quick quick hit i mean it's, we're not gonna have to talk about it for like another two more weeks because they're taking a three-week break due to the ncaa tournament yeah oh is that what it's about okay we're yeah no, nobody wants to there's so many games during the next few weeks that nobody wants to schedule anything even vaguely interesting against them well jonathan you have some quick notes here we can sort of yeah i'd almost forgotten about i'd forgotten about this episode until you until i read your notes yeah (laughs) again it was um so i called it it, the the idol so this is orville episode uh, season two episode 11 it's called lasting impressions i said aka the someone falls in love with a hologram episode because Mm -hmm. apparently they have to do every trope that star trek's ever done um fun little throw for the star trek fans as they keep bringing these homages to the uh the Star Trek actors, Tim Russ, uh, who played, of course played Tuvok in Star Trek Voyager, was a guest star at the beginning of the episode. Um, so the episode revolves around uh, time 
capsule found in 2000, a time capsule they found that was made in 2015. Um, why it was somewhere in deep space, I'm not clear. Did anybody figure that out? Like, why was it on their ship? No. Nope. Like, wouldn't wouldn't that have been on Earth? Was it supposed to have been launched into space? That's I don't think too much about it. They didn't explain Question. that, I think, at all. It was just like, well, we're in outer space. Um, Tim Russ is here, and we have a time capsule. Off we go. Uh, anyways, uh, so they find this time capsule. Uh, in it, there is a uh, iPhone, and on the iPhone, they basically uh, figure out a way to open it up, power it up, and it has the uh, backstory of this character, Laura Huggins, played by Leighton Meester from... Um, Oh, what was the show she was on? Pretty Little Liars? or I, I can't remember the name of the show she was on. Um, anyways, she uh, is basically this, you know, uh, charming young woman who says, you know, I put this phone in this time capsule. I left all my messages on here. I left all my videos on here. Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl. There you go. Um, so, of course, you know, the 2015 vernacular is confusing to them. They see WTF and think that means where to find. All her friends say it's really good. It helps with where to find things. Why the Facebook? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they uh, basically, episode devolves, and I say devolves purposefully, it devolves into Gordon uh, finds her very charming. He creates a holodeck program for uh, him to get to know her better. They extrapolate all this information from the phone uh he goes onto the holodeck falls in love with her um the crew is obviously concerned about this um turns out that she you know he's a he's a dalliance for her and she ends up going back to her ex um and he gets dumped by her but is happy for her and is happy that he got to know her the end um the the b plot for this which i think was the best part of the episode by a country mile uh for sure was bordas and clyden uh Discovering cigarettes. Somebody put a pack of cigarettes in the uh, in the time capsule. Uh, Bordas is fascinated by the, the the scent of it. The two of them try smoking and uh, fall madly addicted to it very very quickly to the point where they are like just you know pounding cigarette after cigarette after cigarette. Bordas is smoking on duty. They're hiding them in their pillows. They're and then of course the the doctor figures out that the two of them are uniquely susceptible to addiction of, of uh, nicotine uh, and they have to try and you know not be addicted to the cigarettes they try and keep each other off them and they end up beating the crap out of each other it's that plot was very funny i, I will give them full props for that the the gordon plot again i leighton meester is beautiful and charming i think um uh, the the actor i can't recall his name who plays uh gordon was did a good job for for what he's doing but uh man this like another star trek b plot out of the trash bin like it just it, there was nothing new there it was done well i thought they both did a fine job of it but like that trope is beaten into the ground um, and they didn't bring anything new to it. Like, there's nothing new there. It wasn't like, oh, but there's a twist and we did something different. It, it was, for my money, it was exactly what you'd expect that story to be. And it was exactly what it was. Yeah. Wasn't it just another vehicle for Scott Grimes to do a, a bit of singing? Grimes. That's it. Scott Grimes. Uh, that's been kind of the, kind of the theme. They've, they've used his singing talent quite a bit this season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What, what did you guys make of this episode? For me, it was, again, the, the, the B-plot, the Bordas uh, Clyden one was very funny. I thought, again, Leighton Meester is really charming, and I thought Scott Grimes is really charming. I thought he did a really good job at least giving a little bit of life to that, his emotional range on that, but nothing new. Like, nothing. There, there was no there there. It was all right. 
Yeah, I think the, the A plot is a, a more heartwarming version of what Barkley goes through on TNG. Yeah. He also has a holodeck addiction. Yep. But his is like weird and creepy. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's it. Scott Grimes and, is charming, and so it works. Right. And the B plot, I, I agree, was, was great. And it seems to have been another in a pattern of the Mocklins are just weirdly obsessed with all sorts of vices, whether it's porn, whether it's smoking, just, just pick one. They just like obsess over these things. Oh, yeah. They seem uniquely, uh, you know, comedically towards that sort of thing yeah and i would say from a practicality standpoint like stepping back and looking at the meta i think this was the lower budget episode of like oh, yeah. like 2015 yeah after you know uh, identity part one or sorry part, part two, two yeah, where yeah. they spent all the money on the on the spears and the the flying pelvis bones yeah. right that you guys mentioned yeah. um so I, I could see some practicality here was like look just, just just put them in normal clothes we don't have to have costuming and all that sort of stuff exactly exactly a little bit of cgi the cheap stuff of like oh he falls out of the bed when they turn off the the, the holodeck right yeah um yeah yeah have By you way, seen guess, the... guess what scott grimes father's name is is it rick it's rick grimes uh, had to be nice <laughs> um yeah it's, have you guys seen the internet meme is an internet meme of um of captain picard uh going into the holodeck and creating a, a bathroom it's a, <laughs> no, so, so basically it's 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 that sort of same thing where you know so the scene we're talking about uh um gordon is in bed with the the holodeck girl that he's fallen in love with and they've just clearly spent the night together um he's realizes he's late for work so he turns off the program but he's still lying in bed the bed disappears and he hits the floor uh the meme that is out there is uh captain picard walks in creates the bathroom on the holodeck goes to the bathroom takes a crap and then uh says you know computer end program and you just see a big pile of crap on the floor afterwards um does he fall in it no no it just it's like he literally walks out of the room and like the next person who gets to use the holodeck just comes in he's like is that captain picard's crap on the floor um <laughs> it does make you wonder like um you know clearly what happened between gordon and uh and um uh, laura the night before <laughs> what would hit the floor after that <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> well again it's like, it's the same sort of story as the doctor is he is he flying solo right yeah yeah uh it's yeah it's, it's a weird thing and then and tim i will give you a huge shout out um as you predicted uh we were talking about well you know the 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 disappointing ending of identity part two was that they're like hey uh we forgive um isaac he's part of the crew and he's back this episode everything's cool it's normal isaac's on the bridge life goes on no reference to anything at all they just yeah back to business as usual isaac's just a member of the bridge crew and it's all fine and good and uh yeah we knew that that was going to be the way this played out because they are really sort of following that uh old school trek mentality of you know very small amounts of information carrying from episode to episode so right right okay i guess we'll move on to the watch list what we got on the watch list this week uh i got a few things so um happy season two episode one premiered tonight uh as we've been recording so uh it's on 10 p.m on thursday nights on showcase here in canada um i'm not sure when it's on in sci-fi in the united states but um probably something along those lines uh can't wait for that to come back love that show so funny so gross um i we, we talked about the trailer a few weeks ago 
ago, and uh, I, I did see a little, a couple of teaser scenes and stuff that have been uh, out there on the uh, on the uh, internets, and it just looks like it's going to be another delightfully disgusting romp, and it, I I just cannot wait for that. A um, couple more things that are coming back. So um, we had talked about Doom Patrol. So Doom Patrol is going to be a uh, TV series that'll be on cable here in Canada. Uh, it's premiering. The first two episodes are going to be on Tuesday, April second at nine p.m. on the Space Channel. Uh, so that is airing only on the um, uh, DC Comics app in the United States. So we're we're I guess a little lucky if you if you pay for the Space Channel here, you can watch it there. So that's very cool. That of course is a spin off out of the Titan series, which is now on Netflix. So which is a little confusing because so now obviously different platforms, different uh, avenues. So that's a little strange as we you know we talked about this with the the CW shows that are kind of spread all over the place too. So uh, different. Didn't I see a fact check note? Maybe you put it on here that that space is part of the regular package. No, I put that note on there because I wanted to, to, to fact check it. Um, it is part of actually the first tier up after that. So right, okay, the basic, yeah, okay. the base, because they, and this is only based on the TRTC rulings from last year that they had to offer an even lower pack. It used to be part of a standard package, but now what they offer as like the, the low cost tier actually only includes like 30 channels. So it's a, it's a really low cost tier now uh, for the lowest cable package that they are obliged to offer by, by a ruling of the government. So. Um, so yeah, you have to have that one notch up in order to get the space channel. So it is, it is a considered a premium channel. Uh, the other thing that's going to be making its premiere here, uh, so the twilight zone is making its debut on, uh, regular cable. This is a standard cable channel. Uh, city TV is going to be airing the twilight zone, the new Jordan Peele twilight zone episodes, uh, Thursday, April 4th, 9 PM, uh, Eastern time on city TV. Uh, we're going to get our first look at that. So again, uh, this is a, a premium pay thing for CBS All Access in the United States and here in Canada it'll be uh, available on City TV uh, regular basic on that low tier you were just talking about yeah yeah so that's cool um, mm-hmm. nice, nice to know we'll be able to catch up on that I, Jaime you were excited about that one yeah I'm looking to see uh, okay so I was a little confused so in the United States for CBS All Access Twilight Zone premieres on Monday April 1st yep. so that five ninety nine coming in handy yep um, <laughs> and it looks like for us Happy comes out on Wednesdays because I see one episode from last night yeah available yeah so there you go so, so we're yeah. one day off again america we're not happy with this but one day is at least better than some of this nonsense again flash is still the most galling one where it appears on mondays on uh, cw and doesn't show up here until thursdays on uh, netflix so yeah right and and i would i just finished uh, happy season one so definitely looking forward to season two yeah it looks like they've gone uh, like they ordered their blood by the bucket for this one too so uh, it looks like it's going to be just as uh, as raunchy and over the top uh, uh, as the last season so awesome uh, and my last thing uh, just to gonna put it out there so detective comics hit issue 1000 as of yesterday um, which is a huge milestone it's pretty cool it's only the second comic book to do that in real time that didn't skip ahead uh, action comics did that last year um so of course detective is where batman made his debut uh a scant 80 years ago superman 2 or something uh nope superman was action comics number one detective detective comics 27 is the first appearance of batman also in 1939 uh so yeah 80th anniversary of batman and we've got uh the 1000th issue uh so they put out uh, they put out eight uh multiple covers for this that have um homages to the different eras in which he appeared so there's basically 
each artist has done a different vision of the character from a different decade. And then there's a whole bunch of uh, bonus secret cover, expensive, exclusive, you know, extra covers too. I think there's something like, I don't know, a dozen or more, maybe 20 different covers that you can get for this. And it's a pretty uh, whopping price. I think it's like 92 pages, but it's, I think it's 10 bucks for, uh, for a copy, but I, I'll be picking one up this weekend. So what's the frequency that, that they would hit a thousand? Like how often does, does a detective comics come out? Detective is once a month and it, what? it has had some different incarnations. So detective ran, uh, uninterrupted, um, from the 1930s to the night, uh, to the, to the, to this century, uh, up to the seven hundreds, um, all in the same numerical order. Then DC did what they called the new 52, where they rebooted the whole, uh, of their universe and they lost that numbering. They restarted with a detective comics, number one. Um, and then that ran for a while and then they've, they've done different iterations, but they have also sort of kept count of where they are as far as where they would be in that original timeline of numbering. So there have been 1000 issues of detective comics. It's just that they haven't always been in that same sequential numerical order. So roughly a thousand months since, uh, since the thirties. Uh, yeah, it's been, well, I mean, it's 80 times 12 more or less. 83 and one third. If it's one per month. Yeah. And I got a thousand divided by 12. I think there were a few that were, uh, you know, special events. They might've done them biweekly or, you know, uh, different circumstances, different scenarios. Um, so again, also factor in that, that, um, from 1939, we're also talking about that was issue 27 when Batman appeared. So the book actually goes back further than that by two years. So Hmm, interesting. All right. So, yeah, so pretty cool. Um, they, they brought out, they trotted out a quite the all-star list of, um, people to get involved. So a lot of artists that have worked on the character in the past, um, Kevin Smith wrote a story, uh, Jim Lee, the famous artist, uh, you know, name an artist that's worked on Batman. That's still alive. Frank Miller did a cover. Uh, they've got, you know, all these iconic Batman creators from over the years have contributed. They've done a lot of, uh, I guess, short stories for this edition. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll report back in next week and uh, give you my, my take on that. But I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to hold in my hand. I remember as a boy, I remember honestly and earnestly, uh, thinking as I stood in my comic store when I was, you know, 13, 14 years old thinking, you know, at the rate that they're going, I will be in my forties when action comics, a thousand and, uh, detective comics, a thousand reach it. I wonder if I'll still be collecting comics then. And yeah, it's, mm. it's weird to finally be there. Here you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, my first pick is love, death and robots. Have you guys seen this at all on the Netflix? I saw the trailer. I haven't. It's on, it's on my list. It is definitely not safe for work. No. So, oh yeah. yeah. We should mention that up front before people kick that out in front of the kiddos. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it's interesting. Um, not normally my cup of tea. Mind you, I used to watch a lot of animation when I was a kid, so I don't know why I say that. It reminds me, I don't know if you ever read Heavy Metal Magazine back in the day. Oh, yeah. Before, yeah, like, yeah. Before the movie. It's very similar to that kind of, just about every single episode of this has a WTF ending. So, um, yeah, you're, I mean, notwithstanding the, the nudity and the, the, the killing and the maiming and all that kind of stuff, but uh, yeah, sort of very sort of twisty in the same. I'm, I'm almost I'm almost tempted to go and see and find a heavy metal magazine and, and see if there's some vintage issues around or or even catch up with what I think they're still producing them, right? So yeah, they stopped publishing uh, years ago and then they I think somebody brought it back, right? And I've been following Mobius on Twitter. He's long dead, but mm-hmm. um, and actually Carol bought me a Mobius uh, 
picture for um, like a print from a signed one. Nice by him. Yeah, I think last Christmas or last last birthday or something. Cool it hangs in my hangs in my man cave. Um, I was telling Jonathan before the show started that I watched Solo again in in bits and pieces. I didn't watch it all at once, but uh, you know it, it does to me. I know mean, I've always said this. I'm a sucker for for anything Star Wars ish, and um, it does hold up. I mean, you know, if you if you can get past the, the the retelling of supposed story, if you just take it as you know, here's a young version of the character. You know, it's got Chewbacca in it. You know, um, Woody Harrelson's character is interesting. You know, I've forgotten the name of. Uh, Anthony, uh, what's the name of the guy who plays the bad guy in it? Plays Vision in um, in in uh, the Avengers. He's in the Beautiful Mind. He's the he's the Paul uh, Bettany. Paul Bettany, yeah, yeah. He he plays the bad dude, and and of course um, the girl I've forgotten her name now who plays Daenerys and and Sarah Connor. Um, yeah, Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark, yeah, she's she's quite good at it. And and Donald Glover. Donald Glover's stuff. the stealer of the show, by the way. We should mention that. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. He, he's quite good at it. And um, the uh, yeah, it has some twists and turns that, that I didn't see coming. Maybe other people on this podcast might have seen coming, but um, but it was it was uh, it was enjoyable. I, I, you know, I, I, I definitely if it was on on the Saturday afternoon, I'd watch it. I mean, like any time any of the other Star Wars movies are, are shown on on TV, I just sort of put them on in the background and sort of enjoy them as as they are. All right. So that's fine too. And just one last little note, I got to my sister called me up with an extra couple of tickets for the for Sting's uh musical The Last Ship. So we got to see The Last Ship on Saturday night and just before it ended its run in Toronto and that was an interesting interesting play. Um it's about, you know, the the life that Sting Sting's family grew up in, uh, making of um ocean liners in in the nor- basically Newcastle area. So a uh, story about how that 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 industry was dying and, and the people who were who were affected by that so mm. interesting interesting movie or sorry <laughs> musical play right oh, and one last final note i do have my ticket for don quixote already purchased so i'm ready to go see that on april 10th when it plays at uh young and dundas that's it i mean cool i've got a new audiobook that lucasfilm announced for star wars it's called dooku jedi lost and it's going to explore the backstory of count dooku and his relationship with his sith apprentice Asa Ventress, who you might remember from the Clone Wars series, the animated, the, uh, well, I guess she was from the original Tartoski, Tartoski, yep. I forgot his name, yep. um, 2D animated, but I mostly remember from the 3D animated uh, series rather than the shorts. But yeah, from that, from that era. So uh, they're going to be releasing an audiobook for that. Cool. And, and, and at the tail end of this, they mentioned um, that uh, last year Marvel released Wolverine the Long Night, which I never actually listened to, but I do definitely remember mentioning on the show. They did that as a podcast, didn't they? It was a podcast, not an audiobook. Yeah, interesting. I, I haven't checked that out. People are doing reading books as podcasts now. What, what they d- they did it as almost to? like a almost like a, a radio like play. A serial. Yeah, yeah, serial. Yeah, yeah. I, I, interesting. I have heard about it, but I haven't had a chance to listen to it. I'm, I'm told by people who have listened to it, it's quite good. Interesting. Cool. All right. Well, I guess that's it for the week. Uh, so, how many people want to get in touch with you? Where would they do it? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. All right, and Jonathan, if people want to get in touch with you, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. All right, my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A is my handle on the Twitter machine. And until next week, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 That concludes another episode of SpotCast, streamed to you via subspace signal. I'm friend of the show, Greg Keo, joining you from Sector 001. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the SpotCast website at spotcast.com. 
You can get in touch with your Star Trek nerd hosts on the website or follow them on Twitter. They're at SpotCast. If you have feedback or questions, send them a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending it to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount of gold press latinum at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help them out on the website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Wishing you peace and long life. That was a long one. That was a long one. We had lots to catch up on. I think we digressed too much into uh, what a shithead uh, Zack Snyder is. That's true. That's true. Is he? Is he really a shithead? He really is. He really is. I don't. I, I don't understand. Like, how can you work so closely with that source material and not get the character? I, I just don't. I, I'm baffled. Oh, you mean like he decided? Okay, well, we'll just break this guy's neck as part of the story. Yeah, I mean, first with the Superman thing, and then into the Batman thing. Again, that's that one scene in in Batman versus Superman where he's trying to go save Superman's mom, and he goes mm-hmm. into the building and just murders like 15 guys. Like, yeah, yeah, flat out yeah, murders. Sure. And you're like, what is happening here? Like, what yeah. have you ever read a Batman comic? Like, yeah. Uh, again, clearly he's been given the leeway to do that, but at the same time, he had to have wanted to. I, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I uh, had set my PBR to record Happy in Fine Rogers mm-hmm. tradition. It didn't. So at like 11:01, I realized it wasn't recording. Went in manually and turned it on and started recording it. So it's been playing in the background here while we've been talking. So do they? Do it they, is just the bloodiest, they... nastiest thing I've ever seen, and I did not hear a word of what was happening. But it is just a bloodbath. <laughs> it looks amazing. <laughs> there's literally like blood spraying everywhere. At one point, they're having a fist fight where they can't even stand up because there's so much blood on the floor. Like it's just, it, I cannot wait to watch the show again. So I noticed on my PVR when I just before we started recording, it did say it was going to record it like i saw the little red dot on the pvr control right My, mine did the same saying? thing it was all set to record and then yeah i just happened to be sitting here and i looked up at yeah 11 or uh, 10 01 when we were sitting here and i yeah. was like why yeah. isn't it recording yet and i tuned into the channel and it wasn't recording i was like oh stupid freaking rogers box and so yeah, yeah i just hit the manual record on it but uh yeah that, not happy no like I, I i truly cannot understand why i mean i, I get that it's starting to become dated technology i haven't updated my box in quite a while um as far as like the technology of it it's a pretty old pvr but at the same time i have the next box so i mean how bad can it be well that's it yours yours should have less excuses mine is is a pretty dated piece of technology ignite tv is the new the new box right so yeah yeah i don't know you know i I, apple has a bad habit of naming things i mean rogers is even worse because yeah. I have I have two the next boxes I have, I have the next box and they have the next box version two sort of thing, and they charge you rent for these things which is really which really annoys me right or is it rent to own I can't remember I I can't remember if it's rent or rent to own I uh, my wife bought me mine straight up um, straight yeah, out yeah but that was like yeah. a de- like nearly a decade ago maybe so uh, it's yeah. an HD box and it works just fine most of the time as far as watching but recording seems to be yeah. very hit or miss um, so it's the one it's the one yeah well you know what it is is they so they upload the schedule at two o'clock in the morning or something like that right yeah and then I guess if 
if the if the broadcast channels move it by like five minutes, that throws its little brain out, right? So yeah, I don't know. It, 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 paving the way for Apple and those guys to come along and reinvent TV, right? Well, I mean, it sounds like that new Apple TV notion is to basically replace your cable box with what they have to offer, right? Did you guys yeah, check out Apple yeah. News already? Then the Apple News app. Well, I've had Apple News for years because I, I switched my I put my region to US years ago because one of our one of my customers publishes to Apple News, right? So I've had to keep up with it, right? But I've been I've been reading Apple News forever. Yeah, I, I can't say, especially as somebody who has a background in working in news, I can't say I endorse what they're doing. It's as bad as what Facebook does no. and everything else. It's all basically news by algorithm, which I am not a fan of, given the fact yeah. that, you know, my job used to be being the person who helped decide what was important for stories, readers yeah. to know. Um, I don't necessarily believe that an algorithm can replace a human instinct for understanding understanding the value of things yeah. or particularly yeah. sourcing like some of the stuff some of the ways that they choose to uh you know like why are you giving me a bbc version of a story that happened in canada like yeah <laughs> the way that it chooses to do some of these things makes very little sense to me i don't and i don't well, know whole how that's set up the whole machine learning to be predictively serve up stories to you to me that's just that that makes me cringe too right because you know, like like they don't they don't they just don't seem to get me. You know, like they claim they can, but I'm not I'm not the average guy, right? So, mm-hmm. or, or at least the, at least my my experience with these things too. But it's interesting too. The Star they went on about the Star on Apple, and every story from the Star these days is from the Wall Street Journal. Like just reprint it. Yep. Well, you and know, the, as we, it's very interesting too because uh, there was immediate backlash. I don't know how much you guys read about this, but um, you know, Apple went da da da. We're doing this Apple News. Plus, we're you know going to charge oh, this. Really? You're going to get all this stuff. Um, and they talked about how you know they had you know exclusives on some of these different um, magazines and, and publications sure. that are going to participate yeah. in this. Um, uh, immediately, they uh, had a backlash with, with basically news sites saying like we're not participating. Just to be clear, like New York Times, <laughs> Chicago, like all LA, LA Times really? is LA Times was like the most significant uh, news source that said they're participating. A lot of very reputable news sources no guardian no uh independent no uh new york times no post no like very few people of of uh, reputable publications were participating that being said I, the toronto star is you, yeah. is participating um yeah well that's as much right well so uh, again i don't know if that speaks to an economic need that they feel that, that that's important for them to be part of this because it it uh, provides them with a revenue stream that they didn't previously have mm-hmm. available and and maybe that's the mm-hmm. the um the decision by a few of these different publications but it is interesting to look at who's not there again anything that calls itself like a definitive news app that doesn't include the new york times the washington post uh the guardian some of the you know more established and reputable news sources in the world like what's the point what's the point like well i mean so i, I spend money every month I, I subscribe to several news sites and i'm happy to pay them my money because they're worth it because the journalism they do is valuable uh, yeah you know which sites will be able those be by the way uh, I have a subscription to the to the Times and the Post. Times and the Post. Okay. So, I mean, my only concern about my only my only sort of input on this, having watched what happened in the last twenty years with this stuff, is like it's it's this is Apple taking over or or sort of you know 
educating the world in terms of where things are going. Like like Jaime and I both work for for bank work in banking or fintech, right? And and Apple's reinventing credit cards, and and it it doesn't seem like much now, but in two three years from now, it'll the whole landscape will have changed because of it. And th- I think this is what's what's going to happen. I mean, immediately the the Apple just bought the the um, uh, texture uh, app from the people who made texture, which was just a you know place for magazines to publish their yep. apps, a platform. Yep. And as you know, you know, I was making a magazine app, you know, in 2010, right? So it's kind of irks me altogether. But um, I don't know. I, I think you have to you have to say wait and see. I mean, you know, you may find that in in a little while, like there already is a New York Times app, and there already is you know the Post app on on your device, right? Yep. Uh, you may find that they that they they just sort of Apple makes it easier to deliver within their within their little world, and they may they may end up going that way, right? So, well, it's a question of what they have and what they're allowed to have too. Like I haven't seen New York Times stories on there because that story is, those stories are behind a paywall. Um, so yeah. so they obviously don't link to the stories that they can't share with their users. Right. So right now I have the New York Times app, but I also have it linked through my like Facebook page, my Twitter feed and stuff like that too. So if I'm scrolling through Twitter and a New York Times story comes up that I want to read, I can click on mm-hmm. it and it'll open up the story for me because I can read it because I have a, I have a password. Um, what's the, what's the, uh, what's the um, subscription cost you? Um, so I got a deal. Um, I think it's five or six bucks a month for the first year and then it goes up after oh. the first year right right um, okay. but it's the be- like some of the best money I spend like they're the quality of journalism they produce is so good and they've also one of the things you can justify again it, it seem, may seem a little um, strange for people to be like well you live in Canada why do you have a time subscription they've actually invested a, a significant amount of money and uh, effort in doing stories they actually have a bureau here in Toronto um, mm-hmm. and have actually been producing good coverage of Canadian politics politics and um, Canadian public affairs and stuff like that and just uh, you know um, general interest stories here too that are quite good um, I, and I, I actually have some former colleagues that are working there and they're doing really really quite good work so um, you know again I still enjoy reading and I do read um, some of the publications that are available through uh, you know their websites and stuff like that as well but that for as far as reading deep deeper journalism you know deep dives on stuff and really you know good thought pieces like there really there's nothing that compares to the New York Times um, you know, the Washington Post is an exceptional work as well, but uh, but the Times really is still it's you know it's the paper of record for a reason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Jaime, what do we say that each magazine title was going to cost people? Is it nine dollars a month or something like that? No, no, not each title. It's it's all you can eat for oh, the nine ninety nine a month, like, and that's why they started out by saying like, if you were to subscribe to all three hundred of these, it cost you eight thousand dollars a year. Yeah, right. But then again, go down that list, and after the first like dozen, would you read any of the other you know eight hundred that? They make available probably not like are there publications that you guys re- normally would read that are available through this I, I didn't even see the list so i don't know yeah likewise i i have had apple news and the app because i live in the u.s and i i don't know i've probably been unfair to it but early on i hated it when people shared links to apple news because it was mm. such an experience that i did not like but yeah. maybe i should give it a chance to go go take a look and see what it's been like the last couple of years um but yeah i, I, I don't know I, I don't subscribe to any news stuff um i just get all my stuff 
stuff from uh, RSS feeds. I have stuff behind a paywall. I just don't read it. <laughs> it's true. Somebody else somewhere on the internet has recapped it. Um, it's not great for uh, you know, making a, a business model out of good, hard, legitimate news uh, uh, journalism. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm part of the problem, not part of the solution, that's for sure. Uh, I don't know that this is necessarily part of the solution either. Since well, I'd, I'd like I to I know, you, uh, that, like, you know, I'm, the companies who, who did this are the ones who were kind of like, they didn't really have a great alternative. As opposed to like, the New York Times is like, dude, we're doing great. We don't need you to take 50% cut of our, yeah, exactly. of our revenue. So. so there are some good ones. I'm just looking at this list on the, uh, this is the Apple press release. So um, Apple Plus subscribers uh, can access current and past issues uh, and individual articles from magazines such as The Atlantic, Better Homes and Gardens, Bon Appetit, Condé Nast Traveler, L, Entertainment Weekly, ESPN Magazine, Esquire, Food and Wine, Good Housekeeping, GQ. Yeah, see, Wired is on there, National Geographic, Scientific American. I, I would read those. Yeah, Rolling Stone, The New Yorker, um, yeah. yeah, Vanity Fair, Time. Like, their, their magazine sub- subscription, actually, portion of this is not bad. But when you go down that list to uh, Apple Plus, including um, publications uh, from, like, daily publications like newspapers, Wall Street Journal, LA Times, and the Toronto Star are the only three that they list. Yeah. Um, again, I, there's great quality journalism coming from all three of those organizations. Two of them are affiliated with one another. Obviously, the Wall Street Journal provides a lot of business coverage for the uh, the Star now, um, mm-hmm. and and for that matter, U.S. Um, U.S. coverage. Um, I, yeah, I, I can't say that this is something that I immediately want to spend money on, but I guess I'll, what I'll do is keep track of it. If they can lure in more of these um, uh, publications, especially the, the the daily publications that offer you know um, more value than than maybe it's something I consider. Again, it's nine ninety nine U.S. It's twelve ninety nine a month in Canada. Uh, you get a free month, a one month trial. So you know, I guess you could always try it oh, out. Oh, it's interesting. The titles are different in, in Canada than they are. In, I was on the U.S. site and they list Time Magazine, but they don't they list McLean's here for us, right? Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to see how this works out too, because they uh, obviously Rogers just sold all of their publications to um, the publisher of McLean's too. So interesting. Or to uh, not not McLean's to uh, Toronto Life. The um, owner of Toronto Life just bought all of Rogers magazines last week. So really, yeah, inevitable. Oh, it seems, like, it seems like Rogers wanted to get out of the magazine business pretty pretty bad. So right, right, right. As do many. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, so I don't know. Well, the, the, the trick for me is whether you're, whether Carol would would buy into this stuff, right? So yeah, and again, it's the experience too. Like I I own uh, you know subscriptions to things, and I read you know some content that traditionally I would have read in print form. I read in digital form now. Some things I like, and some things I don't. I still am not a huge fan of digital comic books. For mm-hmm. me, it just changes the experience. Sometimes it can be really good, but sometimes it just doesn't do it for me. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I find reading news articles, even long-form New York Times articles on my phone or on my iPad or my my laptop, I don't mind. But I do find magazine articles I don't like as much because um, it, the, the layout for me matters. The design and everything. So... Yeah, again, it depends on, on how the app looks, how it functions, if it's just like porting me to a site, or are they going to be design pages? Is it text? How does it work? So there's some logistics that I, I'm curious to investigate. Mm. By the way, I'll also throw this out there. The boy marathoned and watched every single episode of Discovery right up till tonight in the last like, two, week and a half. Really? Yeah. Nice. It was a little but bit. Has of, he seen it? 
a little bit of a piss off that he has accomplished in like a week and a half what it's taken the three of us to get through in like two years. But whatever. What do you have? A discovery? Well, because he sat down and binged it. But then, but then, um, has he seen any of the other Star Treks? He started watching uh, some of it a few years ago, but I think he was yeah. a little younger, and I don't think it really took with him. Um, mm-hmm. But he said he's been sort of enjoying our podcast, but he hadn't really. He would sort of tune out when we were talking about Discovery because it didn't mean anything to him. <laughs> uh, but he enjoyed our our banter and our chit chat and our digressions and everything. Oh, okay. But uh, mm. he did. He listened to the, um, the the enough that it piqued his interest. So he decided, okay, it's all available through Crave. I'll watch it. So he marathoned the first season. Then he did the short tracks, and then he just caught up. Uh, as of a couple of days ago, he caught up to the last episode, and then he watched tonight with me live. And mm. said he's now available to be a guest speaker if we ever if one oh, of us of course, has to take yes. the night off. So he's ready to jump right in. So uh, I told him now he has to go back and watch all the original episodes of all the original series. So his question, so this is why I bring this up. His question for us is, have all three of us seen every episode of every Star Trek series? No. Well, we're not sure. Are are we including stuff like the animated series? I would say not necessarily the animated series. I would say we're talking original. I've seen every one of the animated series. uh, Original series, TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, and movies. That would be my... I think the Cannon. only one that I've not, I've the only one I've I've not seen. Sorry, I've seen. Yeah, see, I'm not, I, I may or may not have. I'm I'm sure that uh, I know I've seen every single one of the original series, and I've I've seen most of the Next Generation. Um, Voyager, I probably missed. I probably missed like a half a season of Voyager. Uh, Enterprise, I saw every single one of those, and um, Deep Space Nine. Yeah, I kind of lost interest when they went to the alternate universe, but um, but I'm pretty sure I've seen most of those. I've seen the finales of all of these, right? So mm-hmm. as well, yeah. What you have, I have doubts that it's 100%, but it's really close. So I know all of TNG, all of Deep Space Nine, all of Voyager, reasonably certain of all of Enterprise, although that wasn't all when they were coming out. I think I've seen them all after the fact. TOS is the one that I feel the weakest on, that I have I have strong doubts as to whether I've seen all of TOS, even though I have seen all of the movies. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So it's like 95% plus, I would think. Yeah. I've I, definitely I, seen all the movies, yeah. I, I would put myself in the same... I, I, I know for sure I've seen... Every TNG, every DS9, every Voyager, every Enterprise, and all the movies for sure. TOS is the only one where I I feel like I must have seen in some form or the other all of them at some point. But I don't think if I think if you put them on, I'd be like I don't remember this one because uh, I watched really? a lot of them. Well, I watched a lot of them when I was a kid, right? Like they used to be in reruns oh, right, constantly yeah. when I was a kid, and so I would watch them when they were then. But I haven't sat down and watched the original series in. <laughs> 20 years 25 years like it there's Mm. been so many other sci-fi choices right like you just like yeah yeah you know tng came out when i was 13 and there's been a a sort of a a stream of sci-fi tv shows and star trek shows for like a good 25 years there there was a bunch of that in a row so you didn't have to keep going back and watching those episodes which once you started moving into the future didn't hold up quite as well i mean obviously they're iconic but they're not great and some of them some of them some of them are, are great but you know what the TOS TOS yeah yeah TOS to, to me is like Twilight Zone it's kind of their their pulp fictiony right if you look if you look at them from that point of view they're not super accurate in terms of science and stuff like that I mean they were time well and they're of but, their time know. right like they're you have to view them through that prism right the problem is yeah is they're, they're very they're very much like Gunsmoke used to be in those kind of those kind of TV shows like they they're they're of their of their time they're they're very much of the 60s sort of idea right yeah um, but I know I've seen all of them because because they were in rewind 
ones forever over the years. And it's funny because now that we have the Space Channel showing a different version of Star Trek every night, and I, often when I'm coding or whatever at night or editing the podcast, I'll put on the Space Channel and just watch them in the background. And um, so I'm seeing episodes of Voyager and and um, and uh, Deep Space Nine that I don't exactly remember, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But the other day, Trouble with Tribbles was on, which is another great one. Yeah. No, and there's certainly, I feel like for TOS, there's, I don't know, I can't remember how many episodes there are, 68, 69 episodes? Yeah, it's not um, very many. I, I could say for sure that there's a good, like, 20 that I could I could tell you from beginning to end how they go. Yeah. You yeah. know, the most iconic episodes. But then there's a good, like, you know, 20 where I'm like, yeah, I pretty much remember. And then there's a good 20 where I'm like, I completely forgot that happened. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, it's in there, but it, it was in one ear and out the other. Well, I had a, I had a um, an anthology of episodes at one point. I think it was like the 25th anniversary or something like that, and it was a printed book. Mm. And so I'm pretty sure I read through the synopsis of every TOS for sure. Um, and I, and I, 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 I'm... I'm 100% certain I've seen every every um, TOS for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, like, but like uh, even Enterprise. Although I've seen every episode of Enterprise, I can't, I don't remember every episode of Enterprise. Right. Well, that one to so. be forgiven because you know there are times when it was not a memorable show. Did you know that? Did you know that yesterday was the 30th anniversary of Quantum Leap? Wow, really? Yeah, oh. yeah. And oh. I was watching a movie the other day. Dean Stockwell was actually a kid actor, like in, in back in the 50s or 60s, whenever he was a little kid, right? Hmm. Because uh, I was watching a movie the other day, and he, and he was one of the people in the in the titles, right? Hmm. But as a as a, like a you know twelve year old kid, yeah, yeah, so hmm. been around for a while. Interesting. Anyway, I do have to run, so yep. we should say sayonara. All right, talk to you guys later. Reminder: I am out next week. Right, so it's just at the, the, the JPK and Tim show. Well, unless you want to invite our number one fan, I'll tell him, <laughs> tell him when if he can marathon <laughs> at least one of those shows in the time that we have between now and then. Mm-hmm. So if he can marathon, it's like marathon like TOS yeah. or something, yeah. and be like, look, this. Is the most culturally and time point uh, relevant to Discovery. So go. You got we could do episodes. like a tech interview, eh? I mean, we could ask him technical questions about Star Trek and see if he's, you know, ready to throw down the gauntlet, you know? That'll work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the Jeffrey's tubes and who are they named for and that kind of stuff? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and uh, what are the Heisenberg compensators for in the transporter? Yeah. Do you guys know? I know what the Heisenberg compensators are for. I don't remember who the Jeffrey's tubes... I know what the Jeffrey's tubes are. I don't know who they were named for. Ah, see, see. It's Bob Hamilton Jeffries, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the original art director. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That 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 strikes. That strikes and what are the Heisenberg compensators for? Those are to deal with the Heisenberg uncertainty principle related to the transporters and the idea right. of being like, how would you how would you perfectly recreate somebody if you can't be certain where like the electrons are in their body right. at any given right. point in time? Right. Yeah, I'm just going to throw Heisenberg. this out here, but you two are huge fucking nerds. <laughs> you didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, that's what you got to tell your son. Like, Boy, if you can dodge this collection Run of the gauntlet of you guys. You can, yeah. you can dodge a ball. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Start throwing so you, side you, questions yeah, at him. And again, you ask Jonathan what the third moon circling Tatooine is, and he can probably tell you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all in there. It's all in there. <laughs> There's only two moons in Tatooine, I think. I'm, I'm still holding a grudge that Rusty Miller beat me to the Jedi Master's quiz book. What's that? What? Oh, there was, did you remember that story from the, it was from the early 80s. There was this kid, little kid. It was like, I don't know, eight. 10 years old, something like that, wrote the first ever Jedi 
uh, Star Wars trivia book based on Star Wars and Empire. And he was a little kid and he got to be on TV and stuff like that because he wrote the first ever like trivia book based on Star Wars. Uh, His name was Rusty Miller. And uh, I remember at the time thinking like, I totally could have written that book. I totally could have written that book. (laughs) I I was so, uh, so mad. And I like the first time I ever experienced envy and I was like, you know, eight. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. And you probably could have written that book at eight. Probably. Sadly. Well, again, it comes from a, a long childhood of my mother saying, you have two choices. I can drop you at the movie theater with a bag of popcorn and a can of Coke, or mm-hmm. you can go to the fabric store with me for six hours. And right. so I went almost every single weekend. I would go and watch a matinee of whatever was playing, but often it was a double bill of Star Wars and Empire. So right, right, I yeah. would just go and sit there for four hours and watch the double bill because we didn't have a VCR or on-demand yeah. video or anything like that. If you wanted to see a movie, you went to the movie theaters. So I would just, right. you know, if given my choice, I would go watch whatever was playing. Name a name a movie from the 70s or 80s that was vaguely sci-fi, and I saw it in the theater. So yeah. So you probably have seen Journey to the Far Side of the Sun. It's quite possible. It's quite possible. <laughs> At some point. All right. All right. Talk to you guys later. All right. Tip. Talk to you later. Bye. And uh, I remember at the time thinking, like, I totally could have written that book. I totally could have written that book I, I was so so mad and i like the first time i ever experienced envy and i was like you know eight but yeah, yeah. all right yeah. cool and you probably could have written that book at eight probably sadly well again it comes from a, a long childhood of my mother saying you have two choices i can drop you at the movie theater with a bag of popcorn and a can of coke or mm-hmm. you can go to the fabric store with me for six hours and right. so i went almost every single weekend i would go and watch a matinee of whatever was playing but often it was a double bill of star wars and empire so i would just go and sit there for four hours and watch the double bill because we didn't have a vcr or on-demand video or anything like that if you wanted to see a movie you went to the movie theaters so i would just you know if given my choice i would go watch whatever was playing name a name a movie from the 70s or 80s that was vaguely sci-fi and i saw it in the theater so yeah so you probably have seen journey to the far side of the sun it's quite possible it's quite possible (laughs) some all right. All right. Talk to you guys later. All right. Tip. Bye. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.